Hello, beautiful people. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022, and this sports show is going to be a good one. It starts right now. Football! That's right, football is happening. There was another preseason game last evening in which the Falcons jumped out to an early lead over the Jets because the Jets were not playing any of their starters. And then Strafolsky, whose actual name is Strevler, came in for the Jets and turned everything around. The Jets get a win over the Falcons. We got a chance to see a little Bob Sala with some emotion yeah. like he was back with the Niners. Looked like he was enjoying his life. That was great. Artie Smith was pissed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Artie Smith. There was a fourth down there about to go for it on the goal line. And the uh, center didn't snap the ball. Everybody else reacted. And Artie Smith went over and started chewing some people out. Mm -hmm. You motherfucker. You got to do what you got to do. And the commentators, all they could talk about last night, Dan Orlovsky, Lewis Riddick, Steve Levy, Laura Rutledge on the sideline, thought they did a good job. All they could talk about is how Artie Smith wants to change the culture down there. Defense coordinator for the Falcons said, I'm changing the daggone culture down here. He said, we've been bottom 20 for the last 15 years for this organization. I'm changing the fucking daggum culture. Hell they yeah. quoted daggum in mm -hmm. a quote card on ESPN last night, and I loved it. I enjoy the thought of the Falcons only having a 9.9% .9 chance of winning the Super Bowl in some sort of some fucking thing. Mm. <laughs> That's a very Jack. low thing. It's very low. The lowest percentage in the NFC South. You look around the NFC South. Jameis Winston, is he going to be good or is he not going to be good? That determines the Saints' fate, I guess. Carolina Panthers, Baker Mayfield was just named the starter. Seems like he might be a guy down there. Who knows? The Cleveland Browns had him. They won a couple games, won to a playoffs, won a playoff game over the Pittsburgh Steelers. First playoff win in like 55 years. Let's kick him the fuck out of town. Yep. Let's bring in a guy that can't play the first 11 games, 12 weeks, whatever Sounds the case good. is. Yeah. Pay him more money than anybody else. So with the Carolina Panthers, with Christian McCaffrey, who's allegedly learning how to play NFL football and not get hit at the end of every single run. He's electrifying. He's exciting. They were 1-9 last year without him. Uh, like, uh, do quick math there. 4-2, and two, I think? Nope. Would have to be 4-3. and four and 4-3 three. Four and three whenever he was playing. 1-9 when he wasn't mm -hmm. playing. Teddy Two Gloves, who was the starting quarterback for the Panthers two years ago, he didn't even have uh, Christian McCaffrey on the field for basically like 15 games or 14 games because Christian McCaffrey is so exciting, so electrifying. He just also causes explosive hits every single time he touches the football. This year he's allegedly going to be changing. Will the Carolina Panthers be anything? We don't know. And then obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom fresh off a family vacation. He has come out and said that he was not on a mask Singer, although he did have a mask on last week. It was a football or a motorcycle helmet as he was riding down the street. Oh. Allegedly, oh, that's what he was potentially doing. We don't know if he was riding motorcycles last week. You would think that would be on the internet and somebody would find him yeah. if he was riding motorcycles. But nonetheless, Tampa Bay Buccaneers got, you know, they lose Gronk. They lose AB. They lose BA. They lose uh, Ronald Jones. They lose a couple other guys on the team. But everybody's assuming they're going to be great. Everybody's talking about them maybe even making it to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. Because Tom Brady, every other year of his career for like the last 15, 20 years, he has won the Super Bowl. So they're just assuming that that's going to happen again. So the Falcons are kind of sitting at the bottom of the NFC South. And I'll tell you, I didn't mind what I saw last night. No. no. And now they're going against twos. They were going against the Jets. It was preseason. Marcus Mariota looked good. Just yeah. like Marcus Mariota looked good whenever he came in relief for Derek Carr for the Raiders on that Thursday night football game when Derek Carr blew his groin off of his hip. Yep. He was back eight days later to play again, and Marcus Mariota right. never saw the field again. Took another backup deal. This is the first time we're getting a chance to see him really play since being added as the starter in Tennessee when Ryan Tannehill came into his own. He was a guy with the Titans, though, for a while. Went away did the backup role I assume got humbled a bit learned a bunch now he's getting an opportunity down in Atlanta where they're trying to change the program will Marcus Mariota be a guy
Uh, Kyle Pitts, will he be a guy? Mm. None of us know. Calvin Ridley suspended for a year for illegalized yeah. gam- Yikes. gambling yeah. in Florida. Can't be betting on games, but sure. they seem to be fucked. The Jets, yeah. <laughs> I liked them. I liked everything I saw yeah. last night, but the people that are putting them at a low odds are putting them at low odds for a reason. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're talking about rebuilding an entire culture, you just assume that's going to take a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could do it overnight, I guess. You paint over some walls and get a new quarterback that's the number one guy, sure. and you can do your thing. But them pushing Matt Ryan out to the Indianapolis Colts and Matt Ryan deciding to leave after the Sean Watson sweepstakes ended up as a failure for Blank and the Falcons. I don't know when they're going to get back around, but the NFC South is going to be a problem is what everybody's thinking. I liked what I saw. The Jets didn't look too bad. Uh, I think, you know, it's nice to have NFL football to chat about, and that's why the football call sign coming into every single hour is a good one. I like that we decided upon that. The talk's table at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor here. One half of the hammer, Don Cowboys, Tone Diggs is here. Everybody in the back in today's show is packed. Yeah. Yeah, huge. We got Sean Sharani in about 23 minutes. Uh, Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets have come to an agreement to continue their partnership. That's nice. Wow. I like the way that was worded by the Nets, by the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Come to an agreement to continue their partnership because they're viewing it as a business decision with KD, Trey Five, or whatever the uh, business is that he is. Him sticking around is good business for the Nets. It's good for Kyrie Irving. He's coming up on a contract year. It's good for everything except for the teams that thought they were maybe in the Kevin Durant. Memphis was allegedly going to be in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Allegedly, Boston Celtics were going to be in the game. Toronto was potentially looking. Phoenix was potentially looking at Kevin Durant. Now it has been um, officially released that Kevin Durant and the Nets will be uh, kumbaya for another year, even though it was very publicly reported that he said, you, Steve Nash is fucking other bummer yeah. me. Yeah. Hate him. Now, I don't know if Steve Nash in here going out, having a couple waters or yogas, smoking dubs together, what? mm-hmm. doing whatever they got going on to rebuild their relationship. Let's assume that'll go just fine because they're both players. Players can get through some shit. Uh, but good. We'll talk to Sham Sharani about how that came to be and how that took place. And if you're watching live at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show, you're seeing five books stacked up. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. What you don't know about this book, everybody knows I'm an avid book reader. Yeah. 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 Started a book club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was part of one of the biggest book clubs of all time. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm an avid. You should. You guys should read books. Yeah. yeah. Change Barnes Nobles. Yes. With the way they used to set up books because of this show. That's yeah. right. Where they would place books in Barnes and Nobles in the book community, which mm-hmm. is basically the book mecca, right? Oh, and yeah. All the book readers take their pilgrimage to Barnes and Noble. We had an opportunity to change the way books were placed in the heaven of books. Barnes and Noble because of the book club we were a part of follow up I've never read a book in my life at this point I'm 35 I should probably hold on you know what I mean like I should probably just go forever I don't think you should read zero books I don't think you should have too much ADHD I don't think you should have the ability to just go ahead and not open a single book for your entire life and manage to make it through school somehow without cheating no big deal not that good of a reader I don't think it's for you but for me I've never read a book I'll tell you what though after watching this show this is a series I would think about contemplate diving into reading for because the person who wrote it 20-year Navy SEAL. Wow. Dog. Absolute dog. Dog. And Chris Pratt, the way that whole thing, I mean, it was unbelievable. The Terminal List was amazing. The Terminal List series is award-winning. The author of said Terminal List series, which is five books, Terminal List is the first one. Then you got two, three, four, five, and then here's the first one again, repackaged with Chris Pratt's beautiful face. Right on top of it. 
Sexy cover. The author, Jack Carr, will be joining us today in the second Let's hour. Go. Yes. One fifteen Eastern Standard Time, about an hour, four minutes, and 28 seconds for those keeping track at home. I can't believe we're getting a chance to chat with him. I watched Terminalist in like three sittings, I think, on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Just like mostly anybody, as soon as you watch one episode, you're hooked. An incredibly well-written, well-put-together, and a story that I think the world needs to see involving PTSD and the transition of back into life after being warriors, which is a lot of our military going through. Jack Carr is an absolute stallion on the battlefield, but his brain is one of the most talented of all time. This many books. Do you know how many motherfuckers have been killed in these books right oh, here? Oh, lots. I mean, there's somebody dead, dead, dead. Bad, bad people. Dead, yeah. dead, 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 dead. They're all right here, dead. Mm -hmm. five, of these, five of these books. There's six here. Two of, these two are the same. But in these books, so many stories are told of great heroism mm -hmm. and savagery yeah. yeah can't wait to talk to jack Carr about how he got to this point writing these books how are you a 20-year navy seal still badass mm -hmm. and have the ability to sit down and write how how many so uh, 350 400 pages yeah, yeah. 390 400 pages bang Jeez. bang 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 Bang. It takes forever. It takes some people like numerous years to write this. Is that his process? Does yeah. he piece these stories together? We shall ask. And I'm assuming that we will dive into oh, yeah. other conversation with mm -hmm. Jack Carr as well. And then the man fresh off the PUP for the Green Bay Packers, David Bakhtiari. He'll join us in the third hour at 2.15 Eastern Standard Time. He'll be live from the Green Bay Packers facility. Let's dive right in there. He comes off PUP. They say they're going to take it easy. Go day by day with him, Ty Schmidt. This is massive. I mean, today, 4 p.m., five more cuts have to be made for every single team maybe six if you're planning on picking other other people mm. up teams are getting shaped right now i don't think we'll really know anybody that gets cut today maybe a couple vets that are going to be cap casualties will get released by 4 p.m today so they can go find another home uh, you know with enough time to understand the playbook but really i don't think any of these things going to be quite a stir today the big stir though is bakhtiari's back there in green bay he looks good he sounds good we'll find out today when he's going to play i guess ty are you going to put his feet to the fire or what Ooh. well i don't know if we're going to find out today when he's going to play because it's seems like just him coming off the PUP list is really all they're looking for at this point. Uh, what is interesting is LaFleur said, I think, earlier this week that starters are going to play in their third preseason game, which I was not expecting. So I wonder if Rodgers will get in any run. But again, just... I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. But uh, just Bakhtiari <laughs> being off the PUP list, like it, it is just a sigh of relief because that offensive line is go hopefully going to look a lot different come week one than it did you know, two weeks ago when they were expecting kind of have their two top guys out for you know the foreseeable future in this week three you know in past this has been when starters play it sounds like a lot of teams are saying hey we're playing our guys but there's still teams there aren't mm -hmm. so we have to keep our eye on that whenever we're thinking about gambling this trend of week one all the overs hit yes not all of them but you get it awesome. the majority of overs hit 14 and three yeah 14 and three what was the trend here of preseason week two that just finished last night uh week two it was more level as far as overrunners concerned um and then really it was it's all about trying to find who's starting and who's not like you got to and a lot of these coaches are being kind of cryptic about it which is really pissing me off um but yeah we'll me too it's pissing me off too yeah, come on then, it's bullshit. Is it pissing you off? Yeah. Pissing me off. Bullshit. Like Sala at some point, we gotta take a stand. Yeah. Yeah. Sala, we hey, find coaches, out right now. Stop being so fake. No more of it. Are, you, are, are we able to? Are we able to bet on these games? Yeah, I think so. Can we get a heads up, Bob Sala? Please. 
I mean, what's the deal? So you're right. It's pissing me off too. And he said he had to, he didn't know he had to get a feeling on it, and then he didn't come out to like four o'clock yesterday. Who that he wasn't playing stars, and the line on. jumped, and you know you were on the right side because you knew Strafolsky was going to do what he was going to do in the fucking fourth quarter, but wasn't a big deal. Uh, I don't think anybody knew that his name was Strevler. First, no, of all. I found that out last night while watching the game. I saw a tone tweet, Strafolsky's dealing, mm-hmm. and I'm watching the game, and I ain't seen a single Strafolsky step on the field. And then they zoomed on the back of the quarterback, and it said Strevler, and I actually texted the group. Yeah. I said, is Strevler the guy that I've been calling Strafolsky for the last year? Mm-hmm. And everybody confirmed that that was the case. We were nowhere near CFL this. CFL champion. I'm Champion. Yeah, him holding great cover. Oh, yeah. Absolute Best, Best number 15 quarterback the Jets have ever had. No, Tim Tebow would be that one, but we can move mm, on. I don't know. I, I honestly... I am so sorry to Strevler. We weren't even close to his name. No, we weren't. Strafolsky isn't even close. I don't know how I dove into Strafolsky to start saying it and screaming it. Strevler deserves respect. And I think last night he walked out in the middle of that game that didn't matter and said, you know what? I'm going to earn my respect today here in America. I already have a great cup. I already have a great cup. Yeah. I already played well for the Cardinals. But here I am, preseason game, doing my thing. What's that? He may have sent Mike White to uh, sell insurance last night. Yeah. Well, Mike White will get signed by somebody after that run he had last yeah. year. It was unbelievable. He threw for 400 yards in his debut. Do you know Dan Orlovsky ran out of the end zone in his NFL debut? No, not till they said that yesterday on the broadcast. I had no idea that was the first game. Yeah, that got brought up in the broadcast whenever Mike White came into the game and was doing something. They talked about his debut against the Bengals, 400 and some yards, however many touchdowns. Uh-huh. And then they said, hey, Dan. Is that all your? <laughs> is that all your debut started with four hundred? And he said no. And he said, "How about a three at the beginning?" Of that no. Nope. How about a two? No. Nope. How about a one? One. And then he said, uh, <laughs> "Also, uh, I think it'll be remembered forever of, of about a run I made or something like that." And then there was a big pop in the oh, booth, yeah. as mm-hmm. there should have been. By right. the way, didn't sound like this was a planned conversation. I think they knew they were going to get to that. I don't think Lewis Riddick or Levy knew that it was in first game. Big pop. That was your first game? Yeah. First ever NFL game. Dan Orlovsky chased by Jared Allen, 11 yards uh, from the end zone line, Mm -hmm. right across the back. He said he got to the sideline, and Calvin Johnson laughed in his face. (laughs) Unreal. And he said that kind of put his uh, whole thing to bed. I think they did a good job last night. But, yeah, Mike White, I think he'll get signed strictly off of how he performed last year in those two games. Because you look around, there's a lot of fucking terrible quarterbacks playing football in this preseason football game. Yes. Honestly, a lot of bad quarterbacking right now happening. Well, and with Strafford. Polsky. I mean, Straveler, Straveler. It, but, but his name's Straveler. It's a term of endearment. It's not like you're, you know, we're throwing shade at this guy. And he almost kind of, he plays right. like a Strafolsky. Yeah, he doesn't really I play think that's like, why I called him. Absolutely. Yeah. You see him running, you see the STR, and it's like, oh, this guy's last name's got to be Strafolsky. That's how he plays. He's fucking running through people. He's, you know, putting putting seams right, like right into a shoebox. I mean, he looked pretty good last House night. House and beer. House yeah. and blood. Sounds like a Strafolsky. Sounds like a Strafolsky to me. It's a term of endearment. It's not, you know, you're not shitting on this guy by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think so either. That's like Dougie. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Dougie Mills. D. Mills, it said. We're obviously, if you're going to put that out there, we are going to have to guess what we think would be a good name. If we were his parents, as he was coming into Earth, what would we D-name him? Dougie was what we want with him. Because he was, hey, Dougie was moving. Exactly. We've got nicknames for all the guys we care about. Go on. Go on. Doggy. Bingo. Fucking Raj. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Well said. Seven. Seven. Sure. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. McCorkle. 
Sure. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got all the nicknames uh-huh. for the guys we care about. Matty Ice. I yeah. just think Strafolsky deserves a little. I mean, you're right. We do call him Matty Ice. Yeah. Footsteps. Footsteps, Flacco. Mm-hmm. How'd he look? How's he doing? Is he, is he playing? So fucking His good. His hair, hard to say this, has never looked better. Well, it's like Andy Dalton. Yeah. Andy Dalton, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. You know, a couple mm-hmm. whites that have found a barber that really understood the calyx in their hair mm-hmm. sure. and how their hair yeah. flowed. I think Flacco did the same thing. Because he, he went from Burt to what he looks like now, and it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he also got $100 million, I guess. True. Everybody, Everybody says that helps. Gray. It's unbelievable. Hey, yeah. My hair's turning white slowly, like, as we, we talk about it. Last week, I show up at uh, SmackDown in Canada, mm-hmm. go through customs, do the whole thing, learn French. No, Landed, uh, get to the arena. What's up? And Michael goes, did you dye your hair? I'm like, no, the, the dying hair days are long gone. Cole. <laughs> He's like, it looks really light today. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, there is a lot of white hair there right now. I mean, this thing, I think I'm, I think I'm going to be Bob Barker white. Oh, Here that would go. be awesome. So pumped. Stop yeah. lightning. Do you know how hard I was trying to dye my hair to get to that color in like high school yeah. and call every picture you see of me with dyed hair. I was trying to get the Bob Barker white. Now there's a chance that I'm just staring it down full time, and I'm fucking pumped about it. Like yeah. I am legitimately pumped up. I think it's coming like a year. I think a year or two, you're gonna see me as fucking Bob Barker out there. Oh, that would be sick. If it's silky too, it'll be silky. Oh, right? I mean, game dude, I'm hopping in a tanning bed mm-hmm. every day. You are gonna see this hair glow on these lats at the Thunderdome whenever you we look move like it. a Targaryen. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. By the way, House of the Dragon. Actually good. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. A lot of people watched it. Yeah. 9.9 million, they mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. How can they track? All these numbers are bullshit. HBO Max. Can they track how many people are? Like with Hard Knocks? Can they track with... Can they track on like Hulu? You would, I don't, you does would think it HBO on Hulu? Max is a lot easier to track than cable. Did you see that video? Yeah. Definitely on Hulu. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely on YouTube TV. Really? Definitely on Comcast. Yes, def- yes. Definitely on DirecTV. I thought Hulu just had live sports, not HBO. Hulu has an entire lineup of channels. Baker told you that. That's why you listen to him, because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's Dame Dog. Um, What's your problem? Why are you putting over Baker so hard? Just because you hate Cleveland? Baker, I've always loved Baker. He looks good. Slinging around. This is you disgusting. Got, is this what's it. happening mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh? Is this the email all the injuries are sending around? Hey, listen, we like Baker now. Remember, the better Baker does, the worse Cleveland looks. Is that what you guys are? Is this what we have all started doing it's here? Unbelievable. You can take any. Just say that we took him one off of the terminal list. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of, Jack Carl will be joining us today. Oh yeah, the man who wrote terminal list. That's a new cover. This is Chris Pratt. This is okay. not Jack Carr. Looks like him though. I don't know if either of them Not would sure. take that as a compliment or a slight, but I got, nonetheless. I got questions. Me too. Turn my list. Who doesn't? I met this guy. I didn't meet him, actually. I sat next to this guy at a UFC event uh-huh. um, when Izzy came out to The Undertaker's music mm-hmm. and won. Right. But it wasn't that electrifying. I mean, it was kind, no. of, kind of a slow fight. I wish Turn list came out. So I could have known who Chris Pratt was? Yeah, no. yeah I agree. Well, yeah. Jurassic World. Because I saw the guy sitting two seats down as Jurassic World Dominion yeah, guy who was telling dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, you buried him. I had well, to. Yeah. What that do you fucking sucked. Hey, now that I know my guy Chris Pratt, uh-huh. told you it wasn't he ball. hated Jurassic World Dominion too. Yeah, that's right. I'll ask Jack Carr if, after watching Jurassic World Dominion, did he have second thoughts about Chris Pratt? Because I'll tell you, two different humans in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World Dominion Chris Pratt? All right, dude. Terminalist Chris Pratt? All oh, right, yeah. dude. Yeah, this guy. I yeah. want him and everything. Yeah. I want Chris Pratt and everything. After Jurassic World Dominion, I was embarrassed for the guy. I was like, this guy was homeless right at one point. Some Mickey yeah. Mouse writing. 
What's that? It was a Mickey Mouse writing. I think it was editing. It was kind of like what happened in the little that people. Uh, the the uh, big world. Downsizing. Downsizing. Uh, there it is. What are you guys talking about? Well, little big, big, big world. Yeah, was, it was yeah. a great TV show. That was yeah. not edited yeah. either. That was Shout out Roll Off Farms. No, it was yeah. just bad Roll Off. I was talking about the downsized people. Sure. Nobody saw it except for you and Z. Well, there's a reason. <laughs> that show was terrible. They accidentally like legit cut a piece of the movie, piece of the movie out. I think so. It's Just insane. like Jurassic World Dominion. They did. That probably happened with Jurassic World Dominion like six different times. Too much, too much time on her hands. Maybe. That's what I think. Yeah, because there'd just be things would happen and be like, oh, okay, they all just ended up in the same place in this 15,000 no acre. <laughs> COVID, okay. COVID and Fouch ruined that movie. Oh, well, Fouch is retired. Yeah. That movie just Jesus, sucks. Tony. That, you're dancing on this guy's retirement yeah. investment. Wow. Uh, I saw the internet. <laughs> well, him and Seems Papa like Fouch is kind of right. dancing. He's ready. Fouch just kind of became heel. Him and Papa John could go to the Italian island of misfit toys and fucking hang out together. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about hey, NFL Cuomo. news. Careful. Let's talk Papa. about NFL news. Um, all right, Diggs just sent news into the group text and with all capital letters, and we obviously can't talk about that, Tony. No. Middle of the show. <laughs> Middle of the show sends Come in on, all Tony. capital letters. Look at the way he, look at the text he sends with that. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I we're forced it. to look at yeah, that. Exactly. I mean, how am I supposed oh, to want to show? No. That's a lot. Why That's a lot. Why can't we talk about that? Can't talk about it. There's no reason to do that because that could all come back around. We got to remember Good, that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of like whenever people were dancing on the COVID grave, yeah. hitting uh, Tennessee Titans against Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. Remember that? When They're like, Titans. oh, these Tennessee Titans aren't taking it serious. Mm. These guys are terrible. And then what? Two weeks later, boom! boom. This team's got yeah. it. Bang, boom. That team, bang! 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 We don't need to do that. Just know something came out that was very good news for a partner of ours. Right. Let's move along here. <laughs> Jesse Bates, uh, safety for the Cincinnati Bengals, who I think said hello to the world last season. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years. I guess four years he's been in the NFL. Maybe longer yeah. than that. Yeah. Uh, he's going into a contract sure. here. He or his contract was up. He was holding out because they franchise tagged him. He made a lot of plays for that Bengals defense last year. It was noticeable that Jesse Bates was the guy for the Cincinnati Bengals defense. I think numerous times I come into this studio and say, hey, that Bates dude's a fucking guy. Oh, yeah. Ball hawk seems to make great plays and uh, instinctually feels like his football IQ is there. In the Cincinnati Bengals, who have an indoor practice facility being built. Yep expansion to their stadium being built Whoa. and sponsorship to their stadium being built running their team like a business for the first time ever in the history of their existence after their team uh, made it to the Super Bowl but in doing so they had to practice in between lacrosse team practices at the University of Cincinnati in 2022 right. that was happening yep. so the Bengals are becoming this full operation of the 21st century and it's great news for everybody it's great news for the Houday Nation yeah. it's great news for the team it's great news for the players for the coaches for literally everybody and Jesse Bates's deal being up and him looking for a new contract might have been one year too early I think one year from now they might have a little bit more coin might have a little bit more money to spend I assume that's what they're telling him they franchise tag him he didn't want to sign it he wanted long term he wanted a little bit of comfort on what his future looked like so he didn't have to jeopardize his future earnings with every single play both in practice and in games which is what the franchise tag is kind of doing if you play in a position that is physically tasking uh, he ends up getting back in the building signs of tender he's back and running I assume nobody will talk about this till next year whenever he's a free agent again yeah definitely and what Joe Burrow said about him too like you uh, Antoine Bethay and D-Butt were kind of talking about it last week like who he is in the locker room it sounds like is even more important everybody loves him yeah everyone loves him and he also you know is an absolute dog on the football field started field. every single game since his rookie year where's he from where'd he go to school Wake Forest I believe oh, oh let's go okay Damon Deacon yeah he's down oh, in the woods he's from Fort Wayne Indiana 
Oh, he's an Indiana guy. Yeah. No way. I didn't know that. How about that? Hey, dog. 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 Indiana's got some dogs. Just like Hagerstown, by the way. That's right. Little League World Series team's taking on the Pennsylvania squad today. Yeah. Holdiesburg, congrats. Have a good one. Never been. Nobody knows. Never been to Hagerstown either. I think it's only a town of like 1,100 people. These kids that are representing Indiana in this Little League World Series are fucking ballplayers. Oh, you got Beast. some tanks. I assume Hagerstown's a farm town? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Beefy sons. The kids look like it. Yeah, yeah there's some big. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Farm boys out oh, there. That's right. Mm-hmm. They're throwing gas. I don't know who was yeah. pitching. The dude throwing like 73 or 74. Yeah, seven, yeah 73, 75. MLB equivalent of 100 miles an hour. Hey, this Hagerstown team in Indiana, look out. The boys are swinging bats well, mm-hmm. and they got a pitcher. Yeah. Now, they're big mm-hmm. farm boys that you're looking out there. Mm-hmm. And don't get it twisted. Indiana is not just good at Little League baseball either. No. We got the Gridiron Gang here, too. Yeah. Robert Mathis is under 12 tackle football team mm-hmm. going to be the best in the country in like two weeks three weeks yeah. number nine in the country right Unreal. Now. Indiana's fucking cooking right now everybody needs to be on the lookout of the Hoosiers playing sports because they're beating asses and these Hagerstown kids are doing it on ESPN right now kids have like travel all-star football now yeah full tackle mm-hmm. too I just by the way just learned about this yesterday so it's like AAU football exactly yes. much how sweet is that? So cool. A bunch of Indiana kids. I guess they're going out to California next week to play in a tournament, and Dogs. they're like supposed to fucking win. And I'm like, Robert, are these Indiana kids, or are you guys plucking kids? And he's like, all Indiana kids. I'm like, let's go, Good boys. It's a game changer. Well, let's go, If Robert's boys. teaching these boys fucking pass rushing. Really well, hard. that's what he said, yeah. He said, I do have guys hitting like chop block spins yeah. on these 12-year-old. <laughs> rip. There's 12-year-old offensive linemen like <laughs> doing a set like this. <laughs> Stunts. Yeah, I mean, a full thing. Probably Good playing All-Stats kids team. Well, that's the thing. Those are two different styles of football. There's yeah. a little bit of a clashing styles. Yeah. You know, speed off the edge or ground and pond. Yeah, but careful. If all sorts of kids want to come, you know, mix it up with the Indiana kids, they better strap it up a little oh. bit tighter, though. <laughs> Just because they got flash off the edge doesn't mean the dogs in the middle aren't hunting, okay? Mm-hmm. Just like this Hagerstown team. They can pitch, but those metal bats are fucking clanging and banging all the time, too. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Hagerstown boys. Not Indiana on the up and up. Holy it does hell. feel like it. Yeah. Downtown's shithole yeah, still. Yeah, absolutely. Highways are a fucking joke. Uh huh. But they'll be better Thanks, three, five years. Sure. I don't know. Maybe. Highways aren't his fault. Maybe three, five years. So, how come this is, and we got Shams joining us in two minutes. So, this is a good, like, two minute pastime conversation before we have to dive into anything. Mm-hmm. I was in Montreal. Yep. Sure. A lot of construction. Sure. Indiana, Indianapolis, a lot of construction. Right? And the French created it. Construction? Construction? I believe so. Well, I believe it's construction. Romans. I thought that was Jesus. The Romans, yeah. Yeah. Oh. What, construction. What else did the Romans do? Please tell us. They were hired to kill Jesus. All right. Yeah, by the Italians. <laughs> well, no, no. Something no, no, they no. are the Italians. Oh. The Romans. Don't be a... They hired by wife. each other. No, I think they were hired... <laughs> Nonetheless. They did Italy killing. killed Jesus, God damn it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Pontius Pilate was from a modern day area, I believe, known as uh, Jordan. Oh, look at this. No, okay. Boy in the finger. Were you there? No. Ah, geez Louise. Anyways, why is everybody doing construction now? Did we not have two years of nothing happening where construction could have taken place? That's, yeah. what, I'm, that's what I'm wondering. Because those guys were not out there. I mean, we were coming in every be. single day. Like, this this highway is going Impossible. to... Impossible. Yeah, and it's going to be under construction for the next 10 years. Like, they... Yeah. I mean, little pieces are getting done, but, like, 
we're going to have the same bottleneck that we have every fucking day for the next Listen, 10 years. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but there was a disease that was killing one person per every six countries on the world. So, what, disease? <laughs> what disease are you talking about? So he's going to be out there doing construction. <laughs> what are you okay? talking about? Now, hey, now today. to be clear, today is the first day, I think, and Bill might be able to correct me here, YouTube has lifted, okay, the warning that goes on every video in which somebody wearing a cowboy hat normally would say that masks didn't work. Yep. I didn't say uh, that. Well, well I no, mean, there was this, this new thing was lifted, I guess, on that. Whatever the case, the opinions of Tone Diggs do not reflect that of his peers or his employer. Right. No. So do not put that up. Uh, we don't need that. But... The numbers will will look back on the numbers and wonder a lot of things. I will say, but the construction you're being short sighted. You don't understand. Ten years from now, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be. Uh, well, I might not be here in ten years. Yeah, so it's going to be get euphoria. It done next month. It's going to be pure euphoria in ten years from now with how good these highways That's are. That's bullshit. You know who else is going to get to enjoy it? Is the tens of twenties of people that are dying every single day in these crashes on the highways because it's such a goddamn joke. It's a gridlock. It's a bottleneck. It shouldn't take. 45 minutes for us to get home from, from the office. So it, it, is, it is awesome, though, because the bottleneck does cause a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. But then the accidents that are happening are also causing traffic. Right. So the bottleneck actually gets bottlenecked. It does. Oh. It's amazing. It's bottleneck turns thing. into a gridlock. Yeah. Anyways, why everybody's doing it. I think everybody's under construction right now. Yeah. So I appreciate that everybody's trying to get better. I think there was probably some bill passed, if I had to guess. That's why everybody's spending money on it. But it has not been enjoyable, I don't think, for travel in any no. city right now. So we just got to, hey, we got to grit and bear it for the next I generation. Guess. You're right. You're right. All right. Be you're, a hero. You're right. Yeah, they're going to have to do like, construction. Like fucking Jack Hart served oh, yeah. this country for 20 <laughs> fucking Thank years. Thank you, Jack. All right. By the way, I think he's from Canada. So he served our country for 20. He's not from Canada. Okay, so I was alive immediately upon us going on the air. Okay, can't have that. Who said that? Born in Who Canada. Canada. Can't have born, He was born in Canada. Yeah, that's what his Wikipedia said. So that's not true. Like, and Nick is shaking his head. No, can't have that. Anyways, this guy served his country for 20 years. Okay, our country. Mm-hmm. We can suck it up for the next decade of just not being able to get anywhere. Okay? I agree. But we should at least fucking get it done for him because he did do it for 20 years. And guess what? He's not happy about it either. If Jack Carr is sitting in this traffic down here, yeah. he is saying, what the fuck did I exactly. do 20 years for for this place? <laughs> right. Joining us now, the insider for the insiders of the association, a man who has won every trade deadline, every draft night that the NBA has had for like the last three, five years on having scoops and inside information. He's our go-to whenever we need to know what the fuck's going on in the NBA from the Athletic and the Stadium Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Sham Sharonia. What's up, dude? Pat, you know what I want? Mm. I want those chicken wings that you were enjoying. Bro. At the Colts game. That's what I need. Listen, they were delicious. That's what I need. They were delicious at the time. I was going in there. They were breaded and like, um, what's it called when it's super moist? Soggy. Soggy. They were breaded (laughs) and a little soggy. Had a good flavor to them. Not good if they're soggy, though. I like them crisp. So actually, now you're you're just giving me the scouting report. Now now I'm just turned off. Shams, I do believe everybody likes them crisp. But the, um, the, uh, the... the breading was up to my knuckles on that thing. <laughs> and, you know, it was bad timing, but I had time my life down there. I had great seats. You know, Jim Mercy quote tweeted, I paid for him. But I did have great seats mm-hmm. in that place. The boys got to go. The significant others got to go. Shams, we need you to come to a game at some point. And we're not going to order those wings ever again, but we'll get you some sort of food in there for sure. 
at some point we'll make that happen. Right here. You heard it here on the McAfee Show. Okay, Sean. Wow. Hell yeah. We, cool. got, we got 20 tickets a game or whatever. We'll see if we can uh, go ahead and make sure we get one for you. Let's dive in. Kevin Durant's back with the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets made an official announcement that said the partnership shall continue. Hilarious that they're viewing it as a business relationship. Is that ultimately what happened here in the end? How did Kevin Durant get back with the Nets' good graces? And how is Steve Nash, GM, and Kevin Durant now, uh, now that we know publicly that there was an ultimatum made? I think that's the best way to describe it, Pat, actually, a business relationship in terms of like both sides looked around. And I I wrote a piece yesterday that had all the offers, everything laid out, all the interest. And there was no one that was stepping up to the capacity that the the Nets had. The Nets had a crazy asking price. They wanted an all-star. They wanted multiple high-level rotation players. They wanted all your draft picks. And that asking price just was not met. The Boston Celtics put forth an offer. The Grizzlies made an offer. The Atlanta Hawks made an offer. Every team, Phoenix, uh, Golden State, uh, it goes on and on. Teams called, inquired, but no one was willing to meet that asking price. And I, and from everything I've been told, that the outcome of that meeting yesterday between Kevin Durant, his business manager, Rich Kleiman, everyone from the Nets, Sean Marks, Steve Nash, ownership, they all agreed that it's in everyone's best interest, both sides, to move on. No trade was happening. It was clear. And so for Kevin Durant... If you really wanted to get out of Brooklyn, this was going to get even uglier. You had training camp coming up in one month, and that was really going to be the point. Kevin Durant was going to have to decide, do I show up to camp? Do I show up disgruntled? Or do I just hold out? And before even got to that, Kevin Durant met and decided that he was going to stay a Brooklyn net. Um, I think both sides looked around from everything I've been told, and the outcome of that meeting was this is in everyone's best interest and being a net gives Kevin Durant the best opportunity to win a championship. I think when he looked around, the, the Celtics, the Heat, the Suns, all Stink. these teams would have had to gut their <laughs> roster to go get KD. And I believe he looked at it and said, this is the only route that I have, the, the, lot of, the, the route of least resistance. And um, I, I do believe that feelings were aired out in that meeting yesterday. Oh. Um, I, I don't know exactly how long that meeting went, but – Anytime you have a meeting with all those stakeholders, and this is the first time they met since the Nets regular season or regular season and season ended on April 23rd. This meeting probably should have happened months ago, guys. Like this should have happened right after the season ended, when you know Kevin Durant was d- displeased with how the, the year went. Uh, there were a lot of issues, underlying concerns that happened after you finished that year. This meeting should have happened then. It takes two and a half months to happen, and. I guess better late than never. Hold on. So that meeting that happened at Travis Scott's concert, that was probably the thing that kind of set this whole thing up. And where did this one happen at? At the Nets building or was it somewhere cool like the Hamptons or mm-hmm. something like so, that? So the meeting with Joe Psy that happened in London, I'm not – I don't believe it was that – I don't know if it was at Travis Scott's concert. It could have been. Uh, I don't know where it was, it was at. It was in London. I it was at the OT Arena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did the OT Arena. It was a hell of a show. Remember him and James Harden? Yeah, yeah popping yeah. bottles. Yeah, they were having a good time. Mm-hmm. That's probably where it I, happened. I, I will say this, Pat. I believe in life you have to go through hard conversations. And Whoa. I think that the elephant in the room was that it's clear both sides, there was some level of friction going on once the season ended. And everything needed to be aired out. Kevin Durant went and met with Joe Sy, aired out his feelings, his grievances um, toward in that situation, the GM and the head coach. But those feelings are ones that you have to direct at those people and, and feelings that you have to make sure that you have a conversation. And finally, they were able to have this conversation yesterday in Los Angeles where they were able to air everything out. And once you air all that out, 
every side needs to move on and needs to be better. Steve Nash needs to be a better coach. Sean Marks needs to be better at his job. Kevin Durant needs to be better at his job. Everyone in that room, I believe the only way you move forward in a better, positive way, that's how life goes. You need to all get, get on the same page, air out your feelings, be able to speak and have those kinds of conversations. And to my knowledge, that those conversations finally were had yesterday in L.A. Okay, so obviously the Nets are happy. Kevin Durant is happy with this, yes, you think? I mean, listen, he asked for a trade in a, in a, in a, in a perfect world. He would have been traded. The world is not perfect. Life isn't perfect. And at the end of the day, he had four years, Pat, and almost $200 million left on, on his contract. If you're going to be traded, um, having four years and that amount of money on your deal is not going to give you much leverage to get traded. And so I, I do believe a part of this was Kevin Durant oh. realizing that there was not a deal to be had out there. The asking price was just so sky high. Um, that a deal was really Shams. In, in, Shams. The Nets control what the asking price is, right? I mean, one hundred percent. And they, I mean, listen, purposefully or not, purposefully. they set that asking price like to the moon. Yes, so, they did not want to. They didn't want anybody to meet their demands. This is like when somebody makes me an offer to do something and they know I'm not going to take it. It's like, hey, we just want to let you know we did make an offer and we do appreciate you, uh, but you end up losing $700,000 a year if you end up taking this deal. It's like, okay, I get what we're doing here. I appreciate you. Let's move on. Is that what the Nets were doing? They were never planning on moving on. They're making the, that's why they made the asking price so absurd, do you think? I do believe that teams around the league that discussed deals with the Nets came away, at least in the last few days and the last few weeks, believing that they don't really have much interest in dealing Kevin Durant. Got Unless it. the asking prices. So Kevin so Durant like, could have went in there pissed off with Rich mm, Kleinman then. Yeah. Like, you mm. guys are making this almost impossible. So there has to be some sort of good vibes if they went in there and were like, okay, you guys have made it impossible for me to get traded. I want to be traded. I would like to hear how things are going. That is an interesting, like, you know, psychological dilemma there on how it's going to pan out if they start losing again, you know? And, and that's one thing to keep an eye on is if this team loses this upcoming year, isn't playing up the standard, what happens with Kevin Durant then? What happens with, with this entire roster then? But I think, you know, you look at the statement that the Nets put out and everything that transpired after the meeting, I do believe the interest is genuine right now in running this back at least for one more year and seeing how this team plays. I, I don't think anyone, I don't think the Nets would ever come out and admit like, this is the year. This is where everything is, is dependent on. But if this team doesn't play up to capacity and standards, what happens? I think that's a fair question to ask. Only time will tell. Um, but yeah, you're right. This meeting could have gone a couple different ways. This could have been Kevin Durant putting his foot down even more. But I think the more he could looked at the situation and the scenarios that were on the board, the Celtics and the Raptors, all these teams would have had to come up so much, Pat, to get a deal done. There was it, never it a almost deal would have be been done. impossible. Yeah, they're so it, they're making an impossible ask, which I think in the end ends up working out for them. I'm happy to see that the owner sigh, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. sigh. He was like, "Hey, listen." Let's figure this out. We can get him back on our side. We talked before the Travis Scott thing. He said this. At the Travis Scott thing, never know. You know, might well, have been. Hey, they might have had a. Might have had their own intermission. Time. You know, never know. Sure. You never know. Mate. So you know. you do know then. That's what it sounds like. So it did happen. Yeah. Wow. Right, thank you. Shams. Put it on the ticker. Shams alludes to the yep. first meeting between Nets owner and Kevin Durant happening. You think was James Harden in that meeting, or did he say, "Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, yeah," he said, "No, I'm out of here." 
That would have been hilarious. So James Harden in that meeting with Josiah after asking out of Brooklyn and leaving Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, that would have been hilarious. Well, I think he, you think he's just hanging out outside the room. That yeah, not a chance. I don't think so. Seems like they're in there. Anyways, congrats to all parties. Moving on, bygones be bygones. Hope they win. The boys have a couple questions for you. Is that okay, Shams? I know you got to be out of here Let's in like a minute Let's or so. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, who are the Angel Naruto runners over your both shoulders there? Yeah. Those are those are like I don't know. These are like Kelly Awards. You ever heard Naruto, of Kelly Naruto, dude? No. Damn. Look it up, I guess. Hey, congrats. Wow. Let's go, Telly winner. Telly UK. Hey, these guys won two tellies. I'll take it. Does anyone know about Telly Awards? Hey, put on the telly. Is is that UK Awards? This guy won a telly. Is is this on your coverage of BOA? Uh, no, no, no. I think it, it was it was uh, one of my AT and T, uh, one of our one of the AT and T oh, things. The Telly, the Telly Awards. Sweet. When is announced? See, when is gallery? Look at you. See, the- I'm learning something right now. This is awesome. This Did is you have to give a speech for this or no? Shout out to Stadium on the Telly Awards. Yeah, shout out. Get to the Telly Awards. The head corner. Yeah, Sean. It feels like the biggest loser of this entire thing is the Lakers because they're not going to get Kyrie Irving now. Are they just going to run it back with Russ, or are they going to try and move him and add another piece? Yeah. So we we've talked about it. Now, if you go on YouTube and you search up uh, our coverage, you know, on on the PM PMS show or PMS, I guess, of <laughs> Kyrie Irving and the Lakers. We told you a month ago that it was it was not going to happen, yeah. and so it's 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 not happening. You all you have to do is watch PMS to know that. But that a baby. I, I, I think as of right now, the, the Lakers are open to anything that will make their team better. And so if there's a deal out there, and they can go get uh, multiple different players uh, that that makes the team better. You know, I would keep an eye on Patrick Beverly, Boyan Bogdanovich in Utah. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, that'd be a get. The, those are the types of guys that if you can go get two, three rotation players, plug onto your team, kind of get better uh, with, with the sum of parts, I think that those are the types of moves I think you're going to see the Lakers try to make. I, I don't think that they're done necessarily. I think they're going to s- still try to get, get this team better. But, yes, Kyrie Irving uh, to the Lakers for now is, is not a thing. For now. He's talking about for now. You, you, you never know what happens in season, Pat. It, I'm, hmm. What I've learned in the NBA, we saw what happened today. Things are always fluid. Right. You never know what happens next summer. But right now, Kyrie Irving is a net. Kevin Durant's a net. Ben Simmons is a net. What? Joe Harris is a net. What? And they're going to run that thing back. Right. And that's why you get Naruto Tellies <laughs> all the time because of how great you are. We appreciate you so much, Shams. Last question from me before we let you go. Zion? Zion playing? We're doing well. We're playing basketball. I saw something about the Zion twos coming out. I mean, I you know, sh- okay. sh- shout out to the Zion twos, but he will be playing. Yeah, yeah. Pat, you know what I'm interested in? What the the, the Nets open the season at Barclays Center against the Pelicans Ooh. on October 19th. Whew. Zion's that coming is, from the fucking foul line, nah. dude. But that is not a national TV game. It's it's what? interesting. What's your the wrong Nets have no league? national Jesus TV games on opening Christ. week of the NBA season. I don't know. Was it the schedule makers preparing for Kevin Durant to be traded? Now Kevin Durant's back. Does that game, I'm just saying, I think we, we can start that push on the show. Yeah. Pelicans, Nets, national TV, October 19th. Need it. Yeah. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash, Ben Simmons. Yeah. yeah. Taking on Zion, CJ, and the boys. Yeah. Oh. Brandon Ingram. Uh, here's the Zion twos, by the way. Oh! Give me 10 of them. I know that will be on display 
at your guys' studios soon. Yeah, so absolutely. I can't wait to see them. You know, in the past, they have sent me the Zions, you know, before yeah, the sure. first ones. Were I've sweet. gotten off the list, I guess. Uh, I'll still buy them. They know. I'm more current. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Sean Shrana. Congrats, buddy. Football. There it is. Here we go. The talks. That's right. By the way, that's the right answer. Talks to tables here at Ty Schmidt at Boston Connor. That was a little inside housekeeping there mm-hmm. in the middle of the uh, thing. One half of the hammer, Don Cowboys Tone Diggs is here. And joining us live from an attic in Ohio is a man who's a college football national champion, a Super Bowl champion, a Ryder Cup champion, and a COVID survivor. Yeah. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. We do. We're proud for that. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Very. Ladies and gentlemen, the face of Ohio, AJ Hall. Yeah. AJ! AJ! What's up? I see a couple books out there. Boom! We're talking to Jack Carr, yeah. author of this book right here. That's Chris Pratt, okay? And this is uh, obviously not Jack Carr, but boom! Jack Carr, 20-year Navy SEAL, author, badass, founder of the Terminal List series. He's going to be on the show in about 10 minutes, AJ. You fucking yeah. jacked up, pumped up, or what, dude? Yeah, I am, and I saw what they're picked up for a season two. What book Just, is it going to be? Uh, I think the second one. Not okay. in the blood? In the blood or in devil's one, hand, maybe that's savage the one son. In the fifth one, I yeah. believe. True, uh, <laughs> true believe. I believe. Uh, Good trigger discipline. Thank you. And then turn uh, that song bitch sideways. Yeah, mm-hmm. Turn this song bitch sideways. A lot of that. Corner, around the corner. Uh-huh. Clear the room. You see what I'm doing, AJ? Can you hear the hear the BBs rattling around there? Well, I know those are bullets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my bad. These those are, are fifty, those, Kyle. These are one of those ones that you leave at the top of the mountain when there's a bunch of fucking feds jabronis yeah. chasing you around, and <laughs> you're right. fucking James Reese, dude. And then they get to the top. Nate Boyer, former army guy himself, mm-hmm. and then somebody, goes, what is that all about? He fucking could have killed us. Mm-hmm. That's what's in here. That's what's in here, pal. All right. I'm Thank on. you for clearing that up. No problem. I'm talking to this guy. Boom! Jack Carr. Here in about 10 minutes, AJ. I am excited about it, dude. I'm going to fucking come around the corner. You know what I mean? I mean, this has got to be the first time it's someone's on that has written a book or they're in a movie that you've actually read or you've seen the show, right? Bingo! Thank you, AJ. Yeah. AJ gets it. Yes, normally I'm going in blind. i got to go off of everybody else's reactions to it. You know what I mean? Which is kind of what I did my entire life. Hey, we've got a book report, too. Sweet. Let me go ask some people their thoughts. Bam, let me put those all together. And now I'm going to be the first one to answer the question uh, for the first question. And then I'm going to move on. I'm just going to kind of, you know, gimmick this entire thing. And it worked all the way through college. Shout out to West Virginia, being the Harvard of West Virginia, me being able to accomplish that as a college-educated person. Now, the Terminalist, I watched that song, bitch, all the way through. Mm-hmm. I should have read the book because they always say the book is better. And I'd assume the ending of this book is better than the ending of the Terminalist series. Probably. But that is something else we're going to have to ask them about, AJ. Right, how are you going to talk to him and not give away any spoilers? I know you don't like to what? do People have had enough time. They've had enough time. Yeah, yeah you could have watched us. You could have watched okay, us. No, I, I agree. You know, I think there's always time. I, I think spoilers, it doesn't matter if you give it away. They could have been yeah, downrange for weeks now. I'm also going to ask Lieutenant Commander Jack Carr if my gun disappointed is, you know what I mean? If it's pretty good, if I was to come around here. There's a little movement. You look just like, uh, just like old buddy in the show. Commander. You talking about Lieutenant Commander James Reese? <laughs> yep. Is that what you're talking about? That is. Yeah. Boom. Clear. <laughs> Clear. Thank you. I can't wait, dude. Let's we got to ask about Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch is so awesome in everything Taylor he does. Kitsch. All right. So I obviously don't know who that is. Tim Riggs. Yeah, band. His brother. Brother. Long hair. Picks him up in his Jeep. Oh, he's a sack of shit. <laughs> well, yeah. He is a sack of shit, <laughs> mm-hmm. that guy. No spoilers. Sack of shit. 
Right? That's the guy? Yeah, yeah I mean, he's not a sack of shit the first seven episodes. But Eight, really. Whoa, 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 no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Boom! Jack Carr's on the show. Ten minutes. Oh, what yeah. do we do? Let's get to a break. How am I supposed to wait? <laughs> I mean, How am I supposed to wait for this? Good agent? question. What am I supposed to do? What time's it coming it's on? It's going to go for until the end of the hour. Got an operator coming on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> See, Commander. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander. Commander. Okay, that was, I know James Reese was. I know. 20 years in the Navy, dude. How's he not a fucking admiral? Yeah, How's he not the president? Time. What's the deal? Isn't that kind of doesn't want to be. 20 years Navy SEAL, you're just fucking president now? Mm-hmm. He's an operator. He wants to operate. He doesn't want to be you know, pushing pencils around a desk. He doesn't want to be pushing yeah, pencils. He's an operator. Yeah, he's, he yeah. wants this to operate. man was born to be in the field. He wanted to get out so he could tell. I know, was listening stories. to the book alongside Bill yesterday, and it was the person that was... Bill, who was reading the goddamn book? What's his name? Legend? Roy Carpenter? Ray Porter. Ray, Ray Porter. Porter, of course. Roy Carpenter. Ray Porter was reading the book, uh, you know, the the audio version of one of these books. I don't know which one me and Bill were on yesterday, but mm-hmm. one of the five. Bill, by the way, Bill's going to shit his pants when Lieutenant Commander Jack Clark pops up on the screen today. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about six to midnight, pal. Anytime this conversation comes up, all of his knowledge about killing people and how things go sure. has really, it's been his Super Bowl this morning. Mm-hmm. I've been going right to Bill for all the information I need for this conversation. Mm-hmm. And he's been a never ending supply of info on old buddy who goes into, the, I guess he goes into the mountains to write these books, just kind of disappears. Then he comes back out of there with a boom. Here's another hundred million dollar operation. I mean, the guy is, and Bill knows him inside out. I, I don't know if Lieutenant Commander Jack Hard knows this, we got a guy on staff here who's been studying him more than he was studying old uh, asshole and terminalist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bill's doing Jack Carr's tactics against Jack Carr right now from afar. And I'm, I'm going to ask Bill, if he, or ask Jack, if he's a little bit worried about that potential thing. AJ. Hey, no, no need to worry. Bill, uh, by the way, is my fantasy football teammate, I know. So Bill is locked yeah. in. So I'm excited that Bill has the, a day like this because we've talked strategy a little bit. It's going to be a fun season. Well, I did hear about an interaction you guys had, and I, I think it was how your conversation ended, mm-hmm. where... You said, Bill, I feel like we got good instincts. And he responded, killer instincts. And you didn't respond. And I think that was a setup by you for him to say that. He mm-hmm. passed the test and you didn't even give him a follow-up at all. You guys, bad team chemistry. Yeah, me, and CFO like Phil, me and CFO Phil have already been going through game plans for fantasy football. Nice. Pal. <laughs> already going through it. Have you? And next week we announce the draft order, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Week after is the actual draft. Yeah. yeah. Me and Phil talk about it all the time. We're like, hey, what are we going to do with our team? Two kickers, yeah, punter, yeah. game changer, whole thing should be a blast. Give me the Bengals guy. I'll take him as a kicker. Evan McPherson, you have to draft him early. By the way, because the fucking pain train, me and Phil coming through trying to draft them all early in the two kicker setup. Let's talk about some things. The Arizona Cardinals are traveling to the Tennessee Titans tomorrow for a joint practice. They don't play till Saturday. Mike Vrabel is on the record of saying they'll only have one joint practice together. So I assume they'll be practicing on different fields. Is that because Vrabel doesn't want his guys just to fight every fucking day leading up to this uh, third preseason game? Is that what you think? Probably. I mean, it, it does feel late in camp to be doing a uh, inter-squad practice like this. But, yeah, maybe they probably know, like, hey, late in camp, these guys are sick of it. One day is probably plenty of work that they need. It, it would turn into probably just a full-blown – they'd have to cancel practice most likely. The guys would just fight and get out of there. Well, Vrabel might fight Cliff Kingsbury too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Vrabel might. I mean, Vrabel's will take out anybody in his path, I'm guessing. Yeah. Hey, hey pretty boy. Little bitch. What are you doing? Why are you guys running that? Why are you guys running that? Huh? That would be so funny if Rabes just if there's a picture of Rabes with his left mitt around Cliff Kingsbury's neck. Yeah. At these training camp practices. You know, Cliff Scrappy, he's a Texas yeah. boy. Oh, yeah. Dad was a Marine. Ooh, raw! 
I'm sure even though he's a quarterback, he'd definitely put up a fight. But uh, I would like to see how Vrabel interacts with all these coaches from other teams. 12 teams practicing together this week. There were 16 practicing together last week. That's so many. AJ, my immediate response was, that's late. Everybody's going to be dead tired at this point. This weekend, though, allegedly, we're going to see more, more team starters, mm-hmm. more players of significance because it's the third uh, and final preseason game. But, but... There's going to be some teams in there that aren't playing anybody just like they have been in the last two weeks, and we got to find those whenever we're betting on these games. Mm-hmm. Did you play? Or did you watch the game last night? Falcons start out looking good. They were playing against the Jets twos and threes, but it seemed like they had some things together. Jets, Stravolsky, Straveler comes back, wins them the game in the end. Did we learn anything from that, and did you enjoy that game last night? I mean, I don't like, like I said before, I think yesterday, you can kind of see what the quarterbacks looked like. I felt like Mariota looked good. He looked like he was in control. I, I saw Arthur Smith had some good things to say about him. That's all you can really tell. Ritter, Ritter looks good. He's athletic. And the Jets, I have no clue what they are, really. Okay, the Jets. Um, good good interview by Flacco, though, talking about their offense and how they've simplified it a little bit and how he likes it. Hey, Joe Flacco's hair was talked about in mm-hmm. hour one on this show. He, Gordon Hayward, and Andy Dalton have had quite a come up finding a barber, I believe. Did you find that to be the exact uh, truth as well? He looked like Joe looked like, hey, he is. This is like an established vet. Like, there's an adult in the room when you see Joe, don't you think? Oh, because he's got gray hair. So you're making no, fun. No, he looks. He, Joe's like six foot eight. He's a lot taller than people think at, at the same time. And he can move. Oh, and yeah. he can move. Throws a pretty ball. Uh, Jesse Bates has officially signed his franchise tag as soon as he came back into the building, ending his holdout. He could do a holdout because he wasn't technically under contract, so it was not costing him any money. If he had signed the franchise tag and held out, they would have been able to find him. He did not sign the franchise tag, so he's kind of in purgatory. He was not a free agent. He was not able to go anywhere else. He could only go back to the Bengals, and the, the uh, negotiating time frame had already passed. So he's definitely going to be on the franchise tag for this season. He He's a guy they need over there. I'm sure they're pumped to have him back. He missed some time. Should we be worried about that? What do you think the future looks like, AJ? No, I think he just he added some longevity to his career by missing the first three, four weeks of, of banging with the, the Guardian caps. Now, okay, he comes back, Ugh. and I don't want to bring everything back to the Guardian caps. Does he have to wear one for like a week? Yeah, does he have to get baptized in the Guardian era because he chose to miss the first three weeks? I mean, maybe. We'll see. If maybe Dr. that's why these – why we have all these uh, these joint practices right now because this is the first time they take the Guardian caps off, so Motor City Dan Campbell can actually hear those helmets popping a little bit. Okay, Motor City Dan Campbell, Episode 3 of Hard Knocks debuts this evening on HBO, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've... We have complained publicly and privately yes. about the you made lack... your case. Your case is well known. Yes, to both the NFL films people who we love. We love, love them. Love them. Okay? Love. The Hard Knocks crew, we fucking love them. They're talking like 500 hours or 200 hours of footage that they have to come through. It is miserable. Foxy gets two hours of footage. It's a nightmare putting something together. So the 200 hours, 500 hours, we appreciate how hard their job is. We appreciate our partnership with NFL Films. If I don't see 42 minutes of fucking MCDC tonight, AJ, it's going to be hard for me not to complain. Don't you think, AJ? And what should we expect out of this? We got a win against the Colts, joint practice where they did not do great day one, did great day two. I think there's going to be a lot of seeing how a team gets built behind the scenes in this particular episode. Like, for real, though, not just us talking shit. I think there's going to be a lot of real moments in how a team comes together in this particular episode tonight, AJ. I think so. I think maybe they'll show a little bit more of their like team staff meetings. It's always interesting to me when we see all the coaches together in those staff meetings as players. Those are like, okay, what what is going on in those rooms? What are the coaches actually saying about me? What is, is my coach standing up for me? I think it's cool to see clips of that when they're in those big staff meetings. But you'll probably be disappointed, man. They're not going to show 42 minutes of Dan Campbell. 
What's your deal? Go to hell. They're going to show a lot of them, but they're going to show some backstories. There's going to be some people you don't really know that they're going to highlight a little bit. It's going to be a cool, feel-good story. David Blouse should get a little bit. I mean, they, he kind of got buried in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Nobody asked for it. Now they got to start this one. Well, they can't start it with – maybe like have a little – start it with him, you know, playing well and winning now to – Redemption from last week. And he did play great football, by the mm -hmm. way. He played great football against Colts in the game, against our four stringers. No, no, no. Still. Nobody's judging. Nobody's no. saying anything. He's doing what he's doing. He did great. He, he, David Blau. He's David Thanksgiving Blau. hero, David Blau. Did you hear about them having a players-led practice alongside Dan Campbell? He was the only coach out there. And do you think that's just gimmick for hard knocks? No, I don't, I don't know anything about that. How did oh. it go? It was oh. allegedly announced yesterday that the, Colt, or the Lions just went through an entire player-led practice. No coaches were out on the field besides Dan Campbell. He quietly observed. Taylor Decker says it was a unique practice, and he's never experienced one like it before. That was via Danny at Danny Rogers underscore, who I believe works for the Detroit Lions. So this is probably some ownership of the team. Hey, we need you guys to take ownership, go through the practice. I like that the ex-players are like, y'all motherfuckers figure it out. If you guys are so smart, go ahead and do it. If they go through it and there isn't a bunch of mistakes, it's great. And I assume we're going to see this on Hard Knocks, AJ. This will definitely be a, a highlight of Hard Knocks, I would imagine, because it's so unique, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. They didn't, weren't wearing pads. It'd be interesting to see players wearing pads running their own practice. Well, Aiden Hutchinson's leading that defense. Is that what's going on? Oh, yeah. Him or Rodriguez, who's with the first string now, I believe. Hey, he's a week. dump truck, Rodriguez. Yeah. 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 Hey, he brings the yeah. thud, Rodriguez. Now, I do believe play action might get him. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, so it's going to be hard for him to see if things are happening. But you can find a place on a team for a guy like Rodriguez. Yeah. Hell yeah. Speaking yes. of finding a place on a team for a guy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. This is a massive moment because AJ alluded to earlier. This is the first time I'm getting a chance to chat with an author of a book that I actually got to experience. Mm -hmm. A lot of people come on this show pitching a bunch of different shit. I'm sure it's all great. I ain't read a single page of any of them. I ain't never seen a single movie or show of any of them. This particular author, this particular American badass is one that provided great entertainment not only for me, but for millions and millions of people worldwide with the hit series Terminalist on Amazon. He's an author of five books. I'm not sure if there's another one on the way, but we can fucking hope. Mm -hmm. 20 years as a Navy SEAL, an absolute stallion of life. Ladies and gentlemen, Lieutenant Commander Jack Carr. Yeah! What's up, dude? How's it going? How are you guys? Hey, fucking good, dude. Boom! We're talking to you, man. We're talking. I, I am oh, so man. thankful I'm you're so here. I'm so fired up. I'm fired up. I heard someone just told me they texted me and they said that you are an avid reader. So I was uh, so excited to come on and talk to you. Jack, listen, I don't want to disrespect you here early because I have seen and heard about what you have done to others that have done <laughs> as such. Um, I've never read a book in my life. I read that your mother was a librarian. Do you think that's why you got so into books? Because normally the super creative types aren't the type that can get through buds and maintain a 20 year. You're kind of an anomaly, don't you think? And do you think it's because of your mom or uh, your mother's love yeah. of reading and such whenever you were a kid? Oh yeah, yeah. we grew up with, surrounded by books and a love of reading, so it was as natural as sitting down for dinner or, or you know, going out to exercise or whatever else. It was reading was just a natural part of our lives. And when I got to about 10 years old, that's when I started to read the things my parents were reading, uh, which at the time, that's when Hunt for Red October came out. Nice. And then I started reading all the David Morrell, Nelson DeMille, AJ Quinnell, JC Pollock, Mark Olden, Stephen Hunter, all these guys that were the masters of the thriller genre, because I knew I wanted to be a SEAL one day. 
And back in the 80s, there wasn't much you could read on special operations. You could read it like an hour at the library. But then these books, they had protagonists, they had main characters that had that background as Marine snipers, Army Special Forces, Navy SEALs, CIA, paramilitary. So I thought, hey, these authors, these like, guys like Tom Clancy must have done their research. So I'm going to get a little information from these books. And then I just fell in love with them and knew that after my time in the military, I'd write thrillers. So that was the, that was the path, but it all stemmed from that foundation of reading, of that love of reading. Pretty good journey, Jack. I think you did okay. This thing's a fucking great book, as is the entire series. Go ahead, AJ. Uh, how did the whole process come about of, of the show happening, especially with Chris Pratt? I know you have a relationship with that guy, Taylor Kitsch. Everybody in the show is unbelievable. It casted very, very well. Like, But you and Chris Pratt, I know you guys have a special bond, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So I, uh, as I was writing, I sat down to write this thing. And being a child of the 80s, it's very natural just to pick your actor, pick your director as you sit down to write, and no one knows who you are. You haven't sold one book. That just seemed very natural to me. So I had just seen this guy, Chris Pratt, play a character in Zero Dark Thirty, a very small role in the movie about the hunt for bin Laden. And he played a Navy SEAL. And he was also in this show called Parks and Rec, where he was kind of like an overweight, you know, funny guy. And I saw that transformation. I saw that transformation of him from this kind of fat comic guy into this operator. And he was inherently likable. You just liked this guy. So as I'm typing away, I think he will play my main character, James Reese. Uh, and Chris hadn't been in Guardians of the Galaxy, had not been in Avengers, had not been in Jurassic World. So he had not had that rise to A-list prominence yet. But he's the guy that I wanted. And then I also wanted Antoine Fuqua to direct. I loved uh, Training Day and Tears of the Sun and all that. And so I, I thought this is a perfect guy to direct. And now we have Chris and Antoine uh, as executive producers along with me. But the way Chris got the book is a buddy called me out of the blue in November of 2017. And I hadn't talked to him in five years, buddy from the SEAL teams. And he first asked if I remembered him, which I did. And then he said, hey, do you remember what you did for me in the SEAL teams? And I did not. And he said, hey, you're the only person that I was, as I was getting out, you sat me down in your office, talked to me about transitioning to the private sector. You introduced me to people in the private sector and you followed up with me to see how things were going. I've never forgotten it. I always wanted to thank you. And uh, I kind of said, no problem. How's it going? And he said, it's going great, but I heard you wrote a book. And I said, yeah, it's coming out in about five months. I can send you a rough draft, though, if you'd like to see it. And he said, yeah, but I'd like to give it to a friend of mine. I think my best friend would like to, like to read it. And I said, who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. And I thought, well, that's convenient because as I wrote this thing, I had him in mind. So Jared gave it to Chris. Chris read it in December of 2017 and called the first week in uh, January of 2018 to option it. And then off we went to the races. So, everything everything uh, you've been through, you believe the universe put that together there? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like that. I didn't expect anything back from, from Jared. I didn't even remember doing it, uh, uh, introducing the people in the private sector and following up with him and to see how things were going for him. And then, uh, but he never forgot about it. And then years later, he found out I was writing this book and, and saw an opportunity to, to help me out as well. But he read it first to make sure it wasn't absolute garbage. Like He read it first before he <laughs> gave it to Chris. And, uh, and then he, so he gave it the, uh, the, the approval and then gave it to Chris. And uh, now Jared's also, he plays Boozer in the show. So he's that, that character, Boozer. He's okay. a producer and a technical advisor on it as well. So he was there every day on set, as was Max Adams, who's an Army Ranger, and then my buddy Ray Mendoza of War Office Productions. Those three guys were on there every day on set to make sure it didn't get too Hollywood. Uh, that's Okay, so that's what I was about to say, getting too Hollywood. So you have your hands on with the Prime thing. I assume that was just a part of the deal that you made with them. I would like to be a part of it. Like... Um, Whenever Lone Survivor came out, mm -hmm. yeah. he was there, right, every single day, I yeah. think, while mm -hmm. they were filming that with Mark Wahlberg to try to make it as realistic as possible because I do feel like you guys have an innate hatred for Hollywood and bullshit. <laughs> so how much of that of your time is taken to, like, 
editing things out, cutting through stuff? And how hands are on are you with the whole process for Prime? Yeah, well, usually they like to get rid of the author right away because they don't want the author on set saying, you ruined my vision, you know, that sort of a thing. So usually they just give you a little bit of money and then sideline you. Um, but because it was Chris and we got to know each other over the last couple of years before we started filming, uh, and because it was Antoine and we got to know each other, they want to be involved in that process. So they put me together with a guy called the showrunner who in, a ser in series television with multiple direct directors is like the main point of contact. And we got together and we started writing this initial script. And so I got to be involved with every part of the process, pre-production, production, post-production. Post uh, but it was really those guys I mentioned before that were there every day. Because I had to come back here to Park City, Utah, write my fifth novel. I'm writing the sixth one right now. Uh, so I had to do those sorts of things where those guys were on set every day. And because of those friendships and then because of the trust that Antoine and Chris and the showrunner had with those guys with military experience, um, that's pretty unusual. And I had multiple people come up to me on set and say they've been a part of hundreds of Hollywood productions. They've never felt this way on a set. They've never seen this level of trust between these senior level executives and technical advisors and they just thought this was a special thing to be a part of. And they didn't have to come up and tell me that, but so many people did. And uh, you could sense it. You could sense that there was something special going on that wasn't quite what people normally experience in Hollywood. Yeah, smashing success by all accounts. Everybody that's ever watched it says, damn, this is unbelievable. I assume it's helped the book sales as well. I would also like to add in, you helped Chris Pratt out immensely as well, because my introduction to him, I had not seen Parks and Rec, even though it was filmed here in Indianapolis, I was not a watcher of that or anything else that you chatted about. I was introduced to him in Jurassic World Dominion. And I'll tell you what, that movie was terrible. That, and I actually said, I actually said like, how is this Chris Pratt guy the guy? Cause I was sitting next to him at a UFC fight and all my guys were like, hey, Chris Pratt is the guy. Like he's the guy. I'm like, I just saw him in Jurassic World Dominion. This guy ain't a guy. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> then I see him in Terminal List. And I'm like, I want Chris Pratt in everything. Like literally, like the entire turn of Chris Pratt in my mind, and I would assume, not everybody else, I'm an absolute doofus, but I love him in there. And I like the fact that you said you were writing for him. It's like a match made in heaven. Now, how much of an onus do you think you put on yourself to showcase what life is like with PTSD. Because I think it's been chatted about, right? I think it's been something that's been talked about. It's been a big time political talking point. It's been a TV talking point. Everybody, oh, we gotta take care of these guys. PTSD is a real thing. But we never really get to experience it in any other way other than, I think, just hearing about it. Terminalists, I think, showcase what some guys fucking go through, right? And when you're drawing from people's experiences and writing this character, is there truth in that? Or are you just trying to put things together? Because I think it was very important to society to showcase that as well, Jack. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I was, I was trying to do it in a way that made sense for the for the story. So oftentimes, uh, people's experience with these different uh, uh, issues comes through Hollywood, comes through fiction, comes through these different, uh, let's say, commercial avenues. Uh, and that's what they, that's how they experience. Maybe they hear about it on the news here and there, but when you have it in a story and it connects it to someone that now you're connecting with as a reader or as a viewer, then it humanizes it a little bit. So the story isn't only about post-traumatic stress, but it is certainly a large element of it and drives that plot forward. And the people in it 
are experiencing some of that. Obviously, in the show, we're showing that uh, visually through Chris's memory that he can't quite trust and can't quite put together through this conflation. Um, so I thought that was uh, that was something that drives the novel forward. And obviously, I have, and most people who have went downrange over the last 20 years have personal experience with uh, post-traumatic stress or those dealing with it and maybe dealing with it in not the healthiest of ways, maybe getting just pills from the VA, uh, dealing with uh, getting Ambien, drinking, then you have marital problems, maybe you add a couple some drugs to that, uh, sleep issues, the trauma of the battlefield, the physical trauma of the battlefield as well, not just the emotional. And they're dealing with all of that as they're trying to transition out of a profession that they've been part of for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and now try to recreate themselves in the private sector. All that stuff doesn't really lend itself to, uh, to a successful transition unless you really take a breath and figure things out and make some, uh, make some conscious decisions to, uh, to deal with, with these issues. So it is a big part of the show. It's a big part of the, the books, and it's a big part of our society right now with so many guys dealing with it who went down range over the last 20 years. I think it's going to enact some real change, honestly, because I think a lot of people are getting like, oh, shit, this is what they're talking about. What, whenever I hear it or somebody chat about it, because there's ripple effects. It's obviously not just the person that served, it's a family, it's everything. And before AJ asks his question, downrange, has this always been a term? Because I'll tell you what, it's hard not to drop it in every, yeah. I mean, yeah. like today we're saying we're going to downrange with Jack Orley. Like, yeah. like uh -huh. it's just, we're throwing, is that just, <laughs> has that been an insider? Is that what the SEALs have always called it? And it just assumes like that's battle time or are we just, did you create this? How do we, are I didn't we create it. No, I didn't create it. You say it downrange, were you on a, a shooting range even? Like that, even at that level, hey, going downrange so nobody shoots as you walk forward to the line to check your targets and that sort of a thing. Got it. Um, but on deployment, Downrange also means going to Iraq or Afghanistan or Somalia or something like that. So it's uh, it's just one of those terms that uh, that you throw in there. That's kind of I guess so. I guess it's a little insider. I guess it's a little bit of insider. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, when you mentioned the book sales earlier for this one right here, uh, I was on an interview with Chris not too long ago, and I had to tell him like, Dude, we we changed this cover for you, man, and and you know what? It didn't really help sales. Uh, I don't know what's going on. It's not it's not doing it's not doing much. So so we had we had to reprint it, and we had to we had to do this. Um, and so that's Taylor Kitsch right there. Wow. And, uh, so we printed a bunch of these titles, and I put them on a I put them on a book right here, and it says now an original series starring Taylor Kitsch on Prime Video. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we had a bunch of these made. So I'm gonna have uh, Taylor and Chris and I'll sign it. And we'll like auction them for charity or something yes. at some point. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Good AJ. You mentioned you're uh, in the process of writing your sixth right now. What what is that process like, and is it different now than it was say for your first one? No, it's all been the same for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I didn't read too many how-to books on writing. Uh, I read On Writing by Stephen King, uh, The Successful Novelist by David Morrell, a couple, a couple books like that. But um, you can spend today, I think, uh, an inordinate amount of time researching how to do something. And it's almost an excuse not to actually do it. Eventually, you have to commit and you have to do it. So there are a couple of these books that I read. Uh, most of them were autobiographical, almost, about these other authors. But then I dove right in because I had this foundation already built. And for me, it just made sense to start with a title. The title was, was uh, jumped right out at me for this first one in particular. A theme, Revenge Without Constraint. A one-page executive summary, kind of like you'd read on the, the inside flap of a book. Oh, I've like read that. a bunch of those. I've re yeah, yeah, I have read a bunch of those. A bunch of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, hey, yeah. You, yours you was great. Right in, you know, you don't want to... 
you know, I think you're 35. So you don't want to, you want to ease into these things. So just take it, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just keep stick with the flaps for, for now. Hey, 40th for now. birthday. I'm fucking turning a page, Jack. Nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Awesome. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do what I can to, for that transition. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, then I write that one page executive summary. And today when I do that, then I ask myself the question, uh, hey, if someone was to read this, was to read this one page executive summary, this couple of paragraphs, uh, would that be enough for them to want to commit six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, fifteen hours, however long it's going to take them of their life that they're never going to get back to reading this? And then I read it, and if the answer is yes, then I read it again, and I say, was this is this one page executive summary? Is this enough for me to want to spend two years, essentially year and a half of my life committed to? And if the, both of those answers are yes then boom, I'm all in. And I take that couple paragraphs, turn that into an outline, and then I take that outline and start turning that into the narrative. So right now on book six, I'm on the uh, the narrative portion right now, turning that uh, outline into book six, which comes out next spring. We can't wait to read it. Well, you know, the book. The Facebook mm-hmm. jacket, yeah. Yeah, the exact, yeah, the whole thing. Uh, I see a little horse soldier bourbon behind hey. you. Shout out to the absolute stallions green berets that are on horseback. Uh, going through Afghanistan, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Absolutely. Some of the, the first into Afghanistan after after 9-11, Scotty Neal and Mark Nooch. And then uh, came back and eventually started Horse Soldier. And awesome. what awesome what awesome guys. I had them on my podcast, heard their story, and just uh, solid guys. Danger Close podcast. Also, uh, obviously, number one New York Times bestseller with the Terminalist. Oh, We're talking to Lieutenant Commander Jack Clark. Hey, this is delicious. And like 100 proof, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Gets the job done. Diesel. Yeah, it's serious. Yeah. yeah, those guys aren't messing around over there. No, no. You do boozing? You smoke? You do any ayahuasca? Anything like that? No, mostly cigars, cigars, uh, and uh, and whiskey. I'm sticking to that for now, but you oh, know, hell yeah. who knows? I'm not not against it in the future, but that's uh, that's where I am right now. I got it's it's my fuel essentially. My fuel for writing the books is the is is that and Hoot and Young and a couple other bottles I have over here. <laughs> have you dabbled in anything like uh, like those extreme PTSD measures? Have you experienced that yourself after 20 years? I assume you've seen some shit, especially as a connoisseur of sharp objects. More nice. specifically, the Winkler axes, right? over your left shoulder right there. Bam. Boom! I mean, I seen Chris Pratt do some shit with that thing. I couldn't even fathom you, but have you had to do anything to combat your PTSD, or is this almost like your, your, like, the way you get through it, like your therapy almost through it all? It was very therapeutic, and I didn't realize how personal it was going to be until, even when I wrote that that uh, one-page executive summary and that outline, it didn't really occur how, I know it was going to be uh, accurate as far as sniper weapon systems and that sort of a thing, but I didn't realize how personal it was going to be until I actually started writing the narrative from the outline. And then, like, right away, it became evident how personal of a writing experience this was going to be. Uh, just going back to experiences downrange and pulling out the feelings and emotions behind them and then applying them to a completely fictional narrative. So it did become very therapeutic, but I was also very lucky with the decisions that I made downrange for whatever reason. Because you can make the quote-unquote right decision at every turn downrange in combat and things can still go south. Just like the opposite, you can stumble around and you can make the quote-unquote wrong decision and uh, and things can turn out okay. So for whatever reason, uh, I, I sleep very well at night. But a lot of my friends are dealing with some serious issues and a lot of them have done that, you know, done the ayahuasca stuff and done those uh, experimental treatments. And most everyone that I talk to who have done that say that it was game changing for them, that it was a life changer and a life saver in many cases. Yeah, I think every time you say downrange, by the way, everybody in here yeah. gets yeah. Yeah. fucking excited. Up, to a yeah. shot. Everybody does a shot every time I say it. Maybe That'd I, be awesome. You say it. Are we doing a shot of horse soldier bourbon together right now or you got a long day ahead of you? 
We sure do. We sure can. I yeah. Like I said, my guy. Yeah. This is the fuel. Yeah, here, here. Hey, here. open this one. Hey, thank go. you, man. Hey, thank Damn. you for everything you've done. Honestly, incredibly entertaining. Yep, there we go. Hey, cheers to you, Bob. And I, the boys got some questions. Is that okay? Absolutely. Thank right. you so much. Bud. Hell yeah. Smooth. Solid right there. Oh, yeah. Nice. Hey, let's nice. go write a book. Oh, yeah. yeah we got to do more of these interviews. This is great. Absolutely. I think it's like 1130 here in Mountain Time. <laughs> hey, it's all right. You probably have, what, seven, eight, nine books done by <laughs> yep. midnight yeah. tonight with the way you go? I mean, it's impressive. Uh, Ty Schmidt, go ahead. Jack, how often, if ever, when you're writing, uh, like some of these like set pieces, will you have to go back and, and maybe say, like, oh, this is actually too close to like a real-life operation that I've been a part of? Like, Does that ever happen? And also, has it changed um, the way you go? about doing things now that it has become a series like is it hard to kind of not write for the screen as a pro as opposed to just writing a novel yeah so it has changed how i write you can see it in the last book and in the blood because i was writing that one as we're on set and i'm seeing these different uh uh the scripts turn into something real life and i'm seeing what actors are bringing to their characters i'm seeing the things that they do in episode one two and three that impacts episode four five six seven eight uh, so I'm seeing how the terrain impacts what we're doing visually. And then I'm also seeing these different conflations that I hadn't really written too much about in the book that we went heavy into in the series. And so that definitely impacted. And if you've seen the series and read In the Blood, my last one, then I think it's pretty evident which parts of that were impacted by the show and by screenwriting. So I'm learning a ton, and it's definitely impacting what I do as a writer. But it's also, I think, making me a better better writer and the book's better so uh so it was a great experience i feel lucky that those guys all wanted me involved and really mentored me through this process and now i have a few other projects out there in hollywood going on a couple other things happening and uh, if they don't come to fruition it's still a great experience and i can turn all of those ideas into future books anyway so it's uh, it's been fantastic you're crushing it lieutenant commander you should know that and uh i'm a little boozed up right now as you say so <laughs> i should, probably shouldn't be handling this but hey whenever you know this Look at that. Hey, huh? Man, what is that? That looks pretty powerful. What is that thing? Is that even legal? This is the same thing that Reese was carrying around the mountain when he put uh -huh. that uh, when he put that bullet on top of the mountain and uh, old Cuzzy goes, what does this mean? And Nate Boyer goes, he fucking could have killed us. <laughs> Basically, that's nice. the same gun. It looks like that. Yeah. It actually looks like that. Yeah. So, I, it's so, yeah. A, this is a pump action, obviously, instead of bolt action. Obviously. You yeah, know, yeah. you and I both know there was a little old school. Mm -hmm. But did Chris Pratt have to go through like uh any sort of training with you guys to pass the eye test of being a fucking killer? And yeah. how was that process? Were you hands on with that? Yeah, so it was crazy COVID time, especially in LA, Hollywood in particular, California, obviously. Um, so he couldn't go to like a boot camp type of a thing. So, uh, but luckily he has a background in that already. He's pretty solid as far as all that stuff goes anyway, just as just being a guy. Uh, so he was good, solid foundation. And then we had those guys I mentioned earlier on set with him each and every day, essentially working with him on all this. And then Taylor, he had to learn to run the shotgun. So Chris and Taylor, they're running M4s and pistols and that sort of a thing. But then Taylor had to run this shotgun that's in his picture right here. And that took a ton of work on his part. And he's going through his house and he's doing with these, uh, uh, these dummy rounds that he's using in the shotgun, clearing corners and getting good with it. And he really, because that's a different deal when you're running a shotgun, especially the way that Taylor did as Ben Edwards in the show. Look at that. Whoa. Yeah. Solid move. Look at that. Whoa. Yeah. I did not complete like buds. I did not complete buds. <laughs> I uh, think if there's a season two and they're in negotiations about it right now, I think there might be a spot for you, at least as a technical advisor, from what I see. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do some teaching. You know, you guys didn't need to do any teaching. I will certainly do that. Be uh, one of the dead guys. 
be, me be one of the dead guys? Yeah, why don't you shoot him? You can have someone shoot him. I'm good. I'm a good seller. Scared. I can sell pretty good. If I'm you need to throw somebody off a roof or through a window or something like that, like maybe oh. I think there might be a, a spot. Hey, make that a high building because I'm only going to do that one time. So, like, <laughs> let's go ahead and make that worth it. You know what yeah. I mean? We don't have that big thing at the bottom. Yeah, of course. I always see it on MTV when they do jackass and stuff. They sit on and they land on that big thing. That'd be great. Um, yeah. Are you still you still stay up with your abilities just in case a motherfucker tries you? With these videos that hit the internet, Keanu Reeves obviously did this. We see you here in a full suit. Got to be 7,000 degrees. Plunk, 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 plunk. Headshot, headshot, headshot. About 35 dead metal bodies here in a matter of 15 to 20 seconds. How often do you do stuff like this? And do you, is it just kind of like a jump shot? You always have it. Well, luckily I have a pretty solid foundation there. Uh, I'd like to do it more, but right now I'm doing a lot of typing, a lot more typing than I'm actually doing training. Um, but <laughs> but if I want to, from what I see here though, I'm gonna have to get back on the range and, uh, and, and get to work. But that one right there, I was going up to the Reagan Library to do a talk and a signing as part of book tour and Terran Tactical is at the base right there. And that's where Keanu Reeves did all his John Wick training. And so on the way in, that's why I had the suit on. So pulled in real quick. They had the rifles ready to go, pistols ready to go, and just hopped on, ran it once, and then jumped back in the car and headed up to do my signing and made it with, like, seconds to go to get on stage there. But uh, figured if I was if I was there, I couldn't not run that course because that's, that's the training that I get these days is uh, when I make it a part of work. You fucking gangster. This dude shows up, <laughs> yeah. suit on, sunglasses <laughs> on, operator glasses on, like when you got killed in the car in the middle of the series there. You have your sunglasses on. Are the guns all ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right, they're ready to die. Yeah. All right. So somebody got a camera. Yeah. All right. Ting, 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 ting. Ping, ping, ping. All right. Thanks, guys. Got to go to an autograph signing with fucking bullet shells on me, basically. Still, you are a legend, sir. I hope you know that. It is awesome to see somebody that has done so much, not only for our country, but obviously for your family, for your community, giving back and having massive success. You are the man. Go ahead, Boston Connor. Yeah, Jack. You just mentioned the second season, kind of being in the works right now, or maybe getting screened do you write some of these other stories with other people in mind like with chris pratt like do you have maybe a villain of keanu reeves maybe matthew mcconaughey in one of these ones coming out so i do now because now i know how helpful that is to the showrunner and to everybody involved for me to give them an idea of what i pictured as that character just to give them a little bit of a of a baseline uh so now i saw that last time so now in this one I have the whole season outlined already. I've sent that to the showrunner. He's given me notes, sent it back. We've worked together on it, got it to a place that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool we're excited about. But for each of those new characters that's being introduced in the second book, then I do have names attached, a couple of different options there, just so that they can start thinking casting-wise. And sometimes they'll know right off the bat, hey, so-and-so is definitely a no-go. They're involved in X, Y, or Z right now, and they can't commit to this. But okay, this second and third choice, okay, possibility. Let's have reach out to their agents. So it does help them a little bit. So I, so I do have people in mind now, particularly when I'm writing uh, the, the scripts for the series. What was it like coming home after your first like long deployment? That's something I think is show like in the show and different movies try to show how tough it is. Just just getting back into normal life, it seems boring or weird. Like, what was that like your first deployment coming home? Yeah, so the first actual uh, combat deployment, I was always pretty good at flipping the switch on and off. But what I describe in the first book, James Reese coming home, and in the book it's a little different than the show in that it's a memory. Uh, of a previous homecoming, and he comes home, and that's when the disaster has already hit. But in the book, uh, we needed to introduce you to the viewer, to his wife, to his daughter, that that sort of a thing. So it's a little bit different. But the way I wrote it in the book is exactly 
one of my homecomings. Uh, is that that's it's I just went back into that into that memory and, and wrote that out, and I had to draw the reader in, make it emotional, and then just tear their heart out. So, um, but uh, there was only one time when I had a real hard time coming home, and that was height of the war. 2006, I'd been attached to a CIA covert action unit that also informs my writing um, in Baghdad, and it was amazing because I was the only military person attached to this uh, special unit, and it was just awesome. So a little less oversight than I was used to with the military, so I was having an amazing time going out every night hitting these targets, and I didn't want to come home. So my whole team went home that was in other parts of Iraq, and I just stayed, and my commanding officer finally had to call and say, hey, Get your ass on a plane. It's going to be waiting. C-17 is going to be waiting for you after tonight's op, and you're going to fly home, and you have to come home. And uh, at the time, I had beard, long hair. You know, I was just loving living in this, you know, doing this, these missions. And I came home, and my mind was still in Iraq because it was such uh, – it was just very busy, I guess is the best way to put it. And I wanted to be there. Um, and I came home, and finally my wife was like, hey, what's wrong with you? Uh, snap out of it. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I better snap out of it. So uh, so when she said that, it was like, because you, you can't be there. You are physically in Virginia Beach. You can't physically be in Iraq. So get your mind right. Get your mind home. Flip that switch. Deal with what you need to take care of on the home front and then prep for that next appointment. Be where your feet are, I think, is a classic thing. It's got to be difficult to do whenever you say, hey, honey, sorry about it. I was just able to do whatever fuck I wanted. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a dream military situation. Yeah. I love you. Right. I wanted to come home. Love being safe. But also, I mean, I was kind of the guy there for a while. Being able to, and you know, and I know there is a little bit of that probably, um, but uh, it was interesting. My commanding officer, that guy that called me, uh, he called me about uh, or texted me about two weeks ago. He said he'd seen the show and reached back out and went back through that, that memory with me of having to, <laughs> having to essentially order me and force me. I, you remember home. when I had to force you fucking to go home? You remember when yeah. he tell me to get a haircut before I got back, uh, which I didn't do. Um, but uh, hey, you know. Uh, that you, little rebellious streak, maybe, that comes out in the writing as well. Well, you're a SEAL. There's a reason. Um, you have to be, you know, kind of an independent thinker, a free thinker, a very strong-minded person, I think, to be a SEAL. I don't know enough about it to be speaking the way I am, but I feel like those are probably some traits that keep people from ringing the bell while you're going through buds. And whenever a Navy SEAL writes something like this, and it's about a Navy SEAL, you know, it's hard not to be like, oh, these are all real things while you're watching it. And then I learned a little bit more about how you have to get approval for the shit that you're writing from the government because there's a chance that, you know, some of it might be too close to home or whatever. How big of a thing is that for you? And while we're watching it, should we assume that some of it's real, some of it probably taken a little bit out of context? So like, how do you think we should watch it uh, for those of us that can't wait for season two? Yeah, so it's really the mindset that I was going after. It's a fictional narrative. Uh, of course, I draw from the church hearings in the mid-70s that really investigated some overreach by certain uh, institutions of the U.S. government, like the, the CIA. Um, so I went back into history to, to study that and then project that forward into to modern times. Um, but, uh, but all the, the situations are, are completely made up. Uh, but it's really the mindset of a warrior that I was going after. I wanted somebody, and Chris and Antoine and the showrunner, they wanted the same thing. They wanted that person who has been in Iraq or Afghanistan or somewhere else around the world over the last 20 years to be able to crack a beer, sit on that couch, turn this thing on, and say, hey, these guys made a show for me. They, uh, they got this warrior mindset right and uh, didn't make it too Hollywood and made something that spoke just to me. 
And uh, so that's really what we were trying to accomplish there. And uh, I think that 95% Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating really uh, says we got close. You know, we, we did we did get close. But really it was the mindset of a warrior. And as far as those redactions go, so the first book I started writing when I was still in, during my last year in the military, when my job became to get out of this gigantic bureaucracy. So I had a lot of standing in line to do a dental and medical and get read out of secret programs and turn in gear and that sort of a thing. But because it's a gigantic bureaucracy, you have to stand in line first to make your appointment to then come back and stand in line again to then go do these things. Yeah. So I had some time on my hands there. So I'm writing this book during that time frame. And it was so close to my time in uniform that I thought, uh, okay, I should probably submit this thing. And my lawyer thought the same thing. So I submitted it to the, the Department of Defense Office of Pre-Publication and Security Review. And that first book, they took about nine sentences out. Um, and which I thought was pretty good. And they got it back 45 days. They advertised 30 days, but 45 was okay. So second one, I did the same thing. I, I submit that one. And uh, one month passes, two month passes, three, four, five, six, creeping up on seven. We have to push the publication date a few months to the right. Uh, and they took out 54. Uh, but by this point, uh, I can hire some additional attorneys who can now go in and tie each one of these government redactions to a publicly available government document. So not something that's in someone else's book or on Wikipedia or Time Magazine or something, but that you could anyone in the world can download from a US government website. And so we tied all 54 of those to the two publicly available documents from the government, and they let me win on 37. So uh, you can now take the paperback and the hardcover, and you can compare what they thought was so secret. And one of those things they thought was so secret was something I made up. And I made up a CIA black site in Morocco because I'd been to Morocco before my time in the military. I love Morocco. I could describe it. I remember being in Marrakesh and the sights and the sounds. And, and so I thought it made sense geographically for the story. So uh, they took out any reference to Morocco, Moorish architecture, uh, Atlas Mountains. They took they blacked out all of that. But then I won it on appeal. So what does that tell me? And anyone else reading it who decides to compare, yeah. it says, hey, we probably have a CIA black site in Morocco. <laughs> I didn't know about it. Yeah, so they could have like... just left it alone. Yeah. Uh, so for the third one I did, a Savage Son, I submitted that one. They took out, I forget how many sentences, and I went to appeal again. And this time they told me that uh, uh, they weren't going to let me appeal. So for me, that kind of tells me, hey, quit bothering us with this fiction stuff, kid. We have serious things going on here in the United States government that we need to attend to. So now going forward, I don't uh, I don't submit anymore. I've been to Morocco. I got pickpocketed by a kid on the streets of Morocco while playing soccer with the locals. I didn't see a CIA agent come help me out at all. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Those motherfuckers are there. Sounds like They might have just been watching. Might have just been watching. Oh, look at the big, fat, dumb white right there getting, his, <laughs> getting all the euros taken from him. Uh, last question here from one of the boys. We appreciate you so much, Lieutenant Commander. Go ahead, Tone. Uh, Commander, I uh, have a problem where when I watch a show, I uh, get super into the show. I have already bought and purchased a new biometric safe because of the show. I, I, I purchased a 1911. Thank you. Love you, boozer. He, uh, he's wearing that cowboy hat right now because he watched um, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. So he became a cowboy after watching Yellowstone. He's not a cowboy by trade. He's from Pittsburgh, naturally. He watched Yellowstone, did that. He will soon be James Reese, which is awesome. Go ahead, Tom. Have you I met anyone it. at these book signings who are like too into your books and you've thought about doing like oh. a, a fan camp where we could come out for a week, maybe get some training from you guys and you can make a billion dollars? <laughs> Actually, uh, interesting on both those fronts. Uh, there are some very uh, engaged uh, fans out yeah. there, which is wonderful. And people bring me at book signings. Usually at book signings, uh, the majority of people that show up at an independent bookstore, they told me are about 90% female. They try to really figure out how to get, get males to come to these things. 
Mine's the exact opposite. It's about 90% male, 10% female. And they bring things to independent bookstores like Tomahawks. Hey, we got the same deal. Hey, we got the same deal, Lieutenant Commander. Yeah, same deal. There it is. They bring uh, magazines for like for M4s, you know, ARs uh, to sign. And bookstores aren't really used to this. People are pulling out knives, showing me all this stuff. They're they're bringing all the gifts. A lot of people bring whiskey, which is awesome. Uh, So my bags, I have an empty bag now that I carry on book tour that just gets filled with uh, with whiskey and all these all these things as I go along. But uh, but man, I, I could not be more thankful for those type of fans people who took a risk on me as a new author and then told a friend because that's how how all this happened is uh somebody took a risk on me told a friend it was all grassroots wasn't coming from politics wasn't coming from anything that gave me any sort of a platform it all started at zero so it's really because of the of the reader that made all this happen i love the the thought of you signing at barnes and noble and somebody working there taking their mask off being like is that a gun mm-hmm. yeah why is that, there a gun in the bookstore yeah. <laughs> that happens and it's like well COVID's gonna kill you for sure but hey, these guns <laughs> let's go ahead and get crazy about it last yeah, question for me uh lieutenant commander you know you hear about any navy seal that ever tells any story being hated by other navy seals right like hey that's not what the seals do the seals do not have any success outside of fucking killing people for the united states of america it's like a it's almost like a code i feel like and i respect and appreciate the shit out of it have you seen any backlash from the seal community have you got support i assume from the seal community and is that something you have to think about every single time you write anything basically at this point yeah, no, I didn't really want to spend my time thinking too much about that because that's bandwidth that's not going into making the book the best it can possibly be. Uh, there is a lot of that, mostly with the, the nonfiction side of the house, so people talking about a mission or their time in uniform, and you know there is that that goes along. There are people in that don't really like that. Why and, is that? You know. Hey, why is that? Just because, like, hey, we signed up not to tell people what we did, that's why we're SEALs? Yeah, it's kind of iffy. It's kind of a strange thing because those of us who grew up in the 80s, we read books about special operations in general or watch movies about this and it inspired us uh i'd much rather have my kids today reading a book about what somebody did downrange in iraq or afghanistan as a seal as a marine sniper as whatever else than a book about the kardashians or something like like that i think today in particular there's so many inputs that kids need heroes and it's important for those people to talk about their experience it's therapeutic for them it can be therapeutic for others and it can inspire another generation so i understand the importance of those uh but you're right in the seal community there is this quiet professional code ish type of a thing um but just like anything else there's going to be good ones that come out there are going to be horrible ones that come out everything's very subjective um but in my case i'm writing fiction and so i think i got a bit of a pass on on that sort of a thing uh the military in general is not very excited to help out with the show so they uh they didn't i mean we do blow an admiral up in his office and, and that sort of thing because it's not flattering but uh the marines wanted to do it the marines were all excited uh, to give us some of their assets and we were going to use their it was going to be great but uh then the navy found out and told them no so we didn't have any support which is great i like that because yeah. if you go back to uh the Kane mutiny back in the day uh the movie with humphrey bogart the navy was involved in that and they had all these stipulations attached to it and over time they continued to do that sort of thing with different films and, and projects but i like being on my own i liked us being on our own as a uh, production just without any of those strings attached from the military so i think that was the the way to go anyway yeah i mean you served 20 years so some fuck in a suit should say that DA they won't help you i mean that's great go ahead aj your last question I, I appreciate how professional you are with it all and just understanding the reality 
of the situation. But you would think that the military would be fucking pumped that one of the hottest authors on earth, one of the biggest show creators on earth, is a former SEAL writing about stuff that people need to learn about. But instead, you know, classic, just classic suits, just being like, nope, nope, this guy fucking ass. Is he making money without us? Yep, fuck him. Uh, AJ, your last question for Lieutenant Commander Jack Carr. Yeah, do you guys ever uh, go back and talk with your old buds, like the old guys? Like Pat and I played in the NFL, so we can sit there and talk about how hard our practices were back in the day and these new rules and everything. Do you ever go back and watch training and say, oh, this is this is easy now. Anyone can do this. Like, do you guys have that, that weird thing that old guys like to do? Yeah, we did even before the advent of social media, even before I was out when you were a brand new guy in the SEAL teams in the late 90s, early 2000s. Of course, the people that were already in, uh, their class was the last hardest class. So that's always <laughs> the, the running joke is your class is always the last hardest one. Um, but when I turned that page from the military, you know, I knew guys that were still in, obviously, but they have a mission to do. And we picked up and we made a psychological and physical break with the military, left San Diego, California, moved up to the mountains here in, uh, in Utah. And, uh, and so I kind of turned that that page. But now nice. people are starting to reach out. As a lot of those guys get out, they'll be they'll reach out. A lot of people who have been out for a long time continue to text or call or ask for advice or that sort of a thing. And you know, obviously, I always pick up and try to help as many people as I possibly can. But uh, but of course, that always comes up changes in training and that sort of a thing. But when you have this thing called Hell Week that's been around for the longest time, and there's no way you could today start SEAL training and just walk into an admiral's office with an idea to have this thing, this six months training period where a week we're going to keep these guys awake. They're going to be on the verge of hypothermia. A couple guys might die every now and again, but we're going to get some real guys. We're going to get guys with grit out the other side of this program. You couldn't brief that today. No one would do that. The only reason it exists is because it's a legacy program. Um, and it's really hard to make that part easier, especially hell week when you're going to be up from Sunday morning through Friday afternoon and you're going to be cold, tired, hungry, wet, sand everywhere. And it's going to be very easy for you to quit because there's going to be this bell that's not in front of the first phase office that's in the trailer hitch of a truck that you can see for that entire week. And all you have to do is go ring it three times and you can be warm again. So it's kind of hard to, to make that part easier. So unless they get rid of that completely, I think we'll still get the same type of attrition because you're, what you're doing is really you're looking for that person with grit. And you're looking for a few other things. You're looking for physical courage and moral courage. And you're looking for team ability, which isn't really a word, but, uh, but it's what we're looking for, someone who works well with others in these kind of environments. But uh, it's, it's, it's hard, to, hard to make that any easier when you keep somebody up for a week and make them so cold and also make it very easy to self-select out of the program. So I think we're still getting people on the other side that have that grit that we're looking for. Do you still, every once in a while, just take a helicopter out to the ocean, jump out, and just start swimming around and be like, <laughs> all right, I'll get home now? You know, do you do no. anything? No. No, I feel like it was a good 20-year uh, run. And uh, now I've turned that page, and uh, now I'm going to try to write the best thrillers I possibly can and get better with each and every one. That's, uh, that's the goal. But, uh, you know, every now and again, I'll, I'll get out there and uh, throw some rounds downrange or Hell do yeah. a workout. And, uh, but nothing has ever made me say, you know what, I should go back in. Yeah. Uh, that torch has been passed to this next generation. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of experience out there, a lot of people that did some amazing things in Iraq and Afghanistan over the last 20 years that are passing on those lessons to the next generation, just like the Vietnam generation passed it on to mine. Um, so I, I think back on, on that and think of the guys that are still in passing on those lessons. And, uh, and that, that, that keeps me warm. That makes me feel good about where we are as, a, as an institution. Yeah, me too, by the way. Hearing you talk about how if somebody's going to get through Hell Week, they're going to be a dog. It just, it's, we just need to remember that if they're the seals today still had to go through the same shit that the seals had to go through 20 years ago so that gives us all hope i think hell yeah hell yeah, hell yeah. hey 
Lieutenant Commander, I appreciate you so much, man. I assume you're going to knock out this next book in about five, ten minutes and then have another one and everything like that. Keep crushing I think it. My publisher would like five, ten minutes, but it's going to take a, it might take an extra half hour. We'll see. <laughs> well, we crashed, I think, the Horse Soldier Bourbon yeah, we website <laughs> already. Nice. So I don't know if you're going to be able to get any more up there to Utah in the next couple of days or so. But we appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you so much for what you've done for our country and for all of our entertainment lives. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for the support. And uh, luckily, I have that horse soldier stockpiled over here in boxes in the corner. So I'll be good for at least a few days. All right. Respect. Ladies and gentlemen, Lieutenant Commander Jack Carr. Thank you. Maybe to my left, your right, a man to give a half-ass effort there as we start hour three on this glorious Tuesday is college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, COVID survivor, A.J. Hall. The Toxic Table is here at Ty Schmidt at Boston Connor, one half of the hammer. Dad. Cowboys, Tone Diggs, who we just learned is trying to get into butts. Here we yeah. go, Tone. Yeah. We should have known Congrats. that. After he watches Terminal List, he's going to be out there on the beach with his feet down. He's sitting there up for at least 72 hours of people spraying hoses in your face. That's mm-hmm. what you signed up for, pal, when you said you wanted to be a SEAL. You asked Lieutenant Commander, hey, you guys ever do any little uh, watch-alongs? That's what you said, You listen to my question. Yeah, you said, hey, I was wondering, you could take us out on the beach, spray us in the face with hoses, and make a billion dollars as we do a little cosplay of me being James Reese. Tactical Diggs is back. I said a little fan camp. Uh, 35, sorry, 34-year-old me uh, wouldn't last fucking two hours. Two hours? Two hours. Well, yeah, hey, Jocko does one of those. So you're making it through hour one. That's amazing. Well, yeah, I figured like hour and (laughs) That You don't think like an hour and 45 minutes is like sign up? 35-year-old me? Okay, listen, we're the Crick boys too. We grew up. Okay, you sign up I understand dressed. where we grew up. All right, I understand the whole thing. <laughs> Five minutes into somebody sh- blasting a hose in my face while mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there, I-, I don't even. Five minutes, probably not even. All right, this is fun. Okay, I'm a seal now. I'm out. No, I'm sa- you're saying two hours. No, you're I'm saying, saying like for an hour, four. You gotta sign up. You gotta get dressed. You gotta like, No, no, no. Oh, you're talking about the logistics. <laughs> no. You're counting the waiting in line yeah, and the bureaucracy yeah, yeah, to yeah, be yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that was awesome, AJ. I love that guy. His brain, good one. Fucking good one. Think of the amount of explosions and shit that could have potentially been around him. He is. Hey, he's impressive. That guy. And he keeps coming up with. That's the thing. Like now, the pressure is on to keep coming up with new ones too. Like how tough is that? Oh no. oh, no. Is that the horse soldier? No, no, no. no. It's a brain. It's a brain in Aaron. It's a brain. Oh, it's brain. Well, brain it's a CT. Someone's in a car. Sorry. Brain Some... is still put together, but put the I don't know if Aaron's Yeah, alive. Rogers. Aaron's both of his dead. ankles broke yeah. off. Oh, no. He went full Carson Wentz. God damn. Oh, no. Jeez. Oh, we'll have a moment of silence for Aaron's legs, I Could guess. I've never seen this coming. He stood tall in the pocket in front of the papers for years. Then one downrange conversation, and he Carson wants himself with a double sprain, double break of the ankles. Still would try to play the next play if he could because there's something in the trade deal where if he plays 90% of the snaps, the Colts get fucked even more. Hell yeah. Thank you for your service, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. We got a boneyard up here, dude. AJ's busted in half. You know, I think Jesus got a little shot yeah. in. He's I mean, alive, though. Bob Ross. Move. I mean, Aaron it's, stood in the pocket, though. You smacked that book down about 15, 20 yeah, times. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really enjoy going, boom! This is the book. This isn't the guy. You know what I mean? This is Chris Pratt. This is not Jack Carr that we just talked to, AJ. No. I'll tell you, oh, I'm having a cover, too. 
Hey, that horse soldier bourbon was hot, and I did take quite a pull out of that thing, you know? How many times do you get to take a drink with uh, fucking Lieutenant Commander, man, who's been downrange for 20 years? Not often. Well, yeah, I didn't want him to think I was soft. True. Whenever he (laughs) said downrange, too, you weren't kidding. Every time we celebrated over here like it was the first time we ever heard it. There was was fist pumps. Every time he said downrange, it was like, yeah. Is that the first time you're hearing someone say downrange like that? I do believe we were introduced to downrange through the actual Navy SEAL who... You know, isn't bullshit, and that no. guy has said downrange while he's been downrange, and you know, you it, don't get that very often. It hits a little different when that's the case, AJ. Uh, let's yeah. move to some NFL news before Bach joins us in about nine minutes or so. Uh, Jesse Bates has signed his franchise tag for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's a dog, obviously. He's all the way back. The Bengals are looking to go on a real run. Is that the expectation you think of Bengals fans and of Cincinnati Bengals players? Allegedly, there's a report that Joe Burrow didn't like the why not us tag because that makes a slight at the team. Like, why not us is like an underdog mentality in Joey Burrow doesn't think like that. He thinks they got a team. It, since I love the swagger of Cincinnati, and this has kind of come out of nowhere. You draft the right guy, you can change the entire culture. I think that's what we're seeing, AJ. Yeah, but also they made the right moves around him. I mean, bringing Hendrickson in last year, the dude oh, had an yeah. absolute monster year, very impactful in the playoffs as well. But then you have O-line situation. You, you shore that up, hopefully, early on in free agency. If you remember, they signed, what, two, three guys in there. Yep. And it's like, okay, whatever issues they've had, they look like they're addressing them right away. And they have tons of weapons on offense, too. So it's just tough for people to think the Bengals are legit for here on, from here on out. But if you look at them and you didn't know anything, any history of the NFL, you'd be like, man, whoever these Bengals guys, these guys are good. Outside of Cincinnati, it's hard to take the Bengals serious. Yeah. Right? This is just like the Browns whenever they were getting going. It felt like everybody was on the Browns train, though. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? And why aren't the Bengals getting the same fucking treatment? You peddling their propaganda. Yeah. Me? Yeah. They <laughs> say me. Going into last year, a Don't. lot of people I wasn't had going to say. Everybody had the Browns that yeah. were going. I mean, that's why it was such a disappointing year, I think, because of what the expectations were. For 20 years, nobody expected a damn thing out of the Browns, which I assume the same thing for the Bengals here. Uh, uh, Bengals had 11 win seasons like 10 years ago. Though. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. 11, and 10? Carson Not even. Before that. Six. Six years ago, something like that. So I guess because they weren't just completely out of it, it wasn't overreaction to be, oh, they're all the way back. But I do believe the Bengals should be taken much more serious in conversation, especially with Bates coming back. I think that's a big deal. Just as somebody that watched the games last year and didn't know who the fuck Bates was, no offense, Bates. I got massive respect for the Wake Forest alum. But like, I think that is something that we are missing out on. And Jesse Bates has kind of brought it back in a conversation for us. The Bengals are a bunch of goddamn dogs over there. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it has more to do with how good the AFC is, and it's a very similar situation to the Chiefs, where the Chiefs had a bad O-line, and their whole entire offseason was getting a good O-line, and that's exactly what the Bengals did. They kind of filled that one hole, and then still the Chiefs didn't make it back to the Super Bowl. So it's like the Bills are still there. There's so many other teams around, and the AFC North is stacked. What was that article where Joey Burrow was alluded to as saying, Nick, where was that from? It was uh, Sports Illustrated cover issue. Joey did not like the why not us thing that everybody was saying because Cincinnati Bengals fans were like, why not us? Hey, we got a team that can go and Joe Burrow was like, what? It makes sense. Why not us? Fuck it. We, we are him, dude. We yeah. are that. What are we talking about? Why not us? What, what is that even? I love that from Joey Burrow. And obviously, I've only got to meet him one time at that UFC fight and he came up to me wearing a bucket hat, a, a bucket hat and sunglasses in the smoothest baby face I've ever seen in my entire life. I had a neck brace on. Obviously, everybody does recall this particular evening. I didn't know who I was talking to for like two minutes because how nice 
how professional he looked sweet i mean he looked incredibly sweet i'm like oh fuck this is joe burrow and i start talking to him i'm like hey you're a guy you know and there was never a sense at all of doubt or like he isn't a guy like he even has the aura of a fucking superstar i love him i love the Bengals, and i like that they're becoming a business you know like i like that they're taking advantage of this particular thing like every other team in the nfl has for the last 50 years or so they understand it i think i think they see it right aj they know they have to see it because they they got a taste of it they got to the super bowl they almost won the super bowl i mean that last play if joe burrow has an extra split second like they may have won the Super Bowl. That's how big of a difference it is now in Cincinnati than it was three years ago, I feel like. Go ahead, Tom. I think it's absolutely criminal that they're not favored to win the division. Yeah, it's like they're tied, right? No, no. And especially Ravens with Big Ben ahead. leaving. And, I mean, well. They Ravens have- plus 145 right now at FanDuel Sportsbook. Bengals plus 170 to win the AFC North. Browns plus 370. And then the Kenny Pittsburgh Steelers at plus 950. Wow. That number's with Mitch starting. If Kenny starts, it's probably fucking plus 200. Something like Better put some money on it, well, Diggs. Bengals last year already what, did it. Plus 1,400 Good. to win the something division. Like that. And they ended up winning. And the Bengals now have become the picture of hope. In so many shitty football mm-hmm. programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, four. There's Foxy. Listen, did you hear Foxy? How loud yeah, he was? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I re-up my Lions card for another 20 plus years because what the Bengals did last year. I'm so pumped. Shout out to the Bengals for doing that for the city of Detroit. <laughs> yep. You know, and let alone Hard Knocks compounding that. Like, hey, listen, you guys got hope, and we're giving an inside look. Look what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Maybe the Lions going to run this year, AJ. Maybe maybe the Lions going to run, but that's what the Bengals have done. Uh, moving on, Bill Belichick, he says on the offense, ultimately I'm responsible for all of it. You know, he g- gives an entire quote. He's been asked about this in every single press conference he has had to do since the beginning of training camp, and he has not given a single answer to anybody. All these reporters are trying to frame it in different ways. One person asked a 45-second question yesterday about how he goes about selecting the fucking team, and Bill Belichick came back with, just trying to pick the best team. <laughs> yep. Next question. I mean, he is on one this year, and I think it's because maybe he is a little bit more exhausted. Maybe he is staying up a little later than he normally does, which everybody knows he's completely committed to the game and he disappears for six, seven months. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is a little bit worried in trying to figure out this fucking offense. But Mike Giori is reporting the most important thing from the Belichick today. On the offense, he told... The Greg Hill Show. Obviously, Greg Hill, great show. Ultimately, I'm responsible for all of it. If you want to ask who's in charge, it'd be me. I have a final say in everything. That's the way it's been, and I don't see that changing. Hell no. That's him telling Greg Hill, the buck stops here. Okay, mm-hmm. Offense, defense, special teams. And you know what else that means, Greg? And I need to hear a little bit more respect out of all of you. All those fucking Super Bowls, too. They... Who was it? Me. Is that what Bill's saying right here? Or is Bill actually for the first time stating, yeah, I'm in charge of the offense publicly. This is the first time he said it publicly, AJ. No, I don't think he's saying that. I think he's saying I'm the head coach. So whatever happens, win or lose, like it comes to me. No matter who's calling the plays, I'm the one that puts that person in position or multiple people in position to call the offense, whatever they may do. Yeah, it all, it all comes to him. Uh, Connor, your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm not worried about it. I feel like this is kind of what we have been saying for a while. Like, hey, Belichick's probably going to be the one that's telling everybody what to do. I mean, Patricia and Joe Judge last week both said, like, hey, whatever Bill tells me to do on a daily basis is what we're doing. I'm not the OC. I'm not competing against Joe Judge or Matt Patricia. So, I mean, it feels good. What doesn't feel good is that all reports out of their joint practice with the Raiders is that they are getting absolutely torched today. 
on all sides. Yeah, of the but ball. the Lions got cooked by the Colts True. on day one. I mean, we saw it, and then day two was a complete yeah. opposite, allegedly. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's set up for you know success and who isn't? He might just have a bad day. But I think the Patriots are going to be a work in progress for a long time. Let's remember if they end up turning it around, whatever week, even if it's week seven, week eight. Fucking Bill Belichick. Yeah. All right, let's, let's remember who it is. Uh, some other news before we get to Bach. The draft will be joining us here in a couple minutes. Uh, Amazon and DirecTV have struck a deal to show Thursday Night Football in bars and restaurants. Over 300,000 bars and restaurants were not going to be able to show Thursday Night Football because it was moved to Prime. Amazon has struck a deal with DirecTV to be able to broadcast through their platform. This is obviously good news for all Buffalo Wild Wings across the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say, how much do you think this was worth? Oh, a lot of money. Yeah. Are oh. they going to make it public? Mm, maybe. DirecTV might put it out there because they were getting cooked for losing money on Sunday Ticket yeah. or whatever for a little bit. I assume it will find out something. Will it be true? Will it not be? We don't know. Everybody's numbers that get floated are probably close or completely wrong, right? That's yeah. like yeah. we never know what's real, what isn't. I mean, my numbers were put out there with basically every single contract I've ever done. Some of them real, some of them close. Some of them nowhere near. And that's why the projections of what something's valued at is always going to be bullshit. But congrats to Amazon getting that deal done. Uh, Nick Saban has agreed to a new deal. It's been renegotiated. Uh, He is now getting paid $11.7 million. He has a deal in which anytime a new contract is done in the SEC or in coaching as a whole, and it bumps him out of the top three average uh, in coaching annual salary, he is to renegotiate. So with... Kirby Smart. Kirby mm-hmm. Smart of Georgia renegotiating. This set the table for Nick Saban to be able to renegotiate just one year after already renegotiating. And his contract is now scheduled to be eight years, value of $93.6 million. He's made $103 million since 2009 to date, which is an average annual value of $11.7 million. Kirby Smart's 10-year deal with Georgia has an average annual value of $11.25 million. So he was able to renegotiate the average annual value to be more than Kirby Smart's new deal, who just re-upped that whole thing. That is not enough money for Nick Saban. Listen, $11.7 million is a lot of fucking money. I assume West Virginia, Nick Saban, as a kid growing up, being told he'd make $11.7 million, he'd be like, fuck, all right. Like, you know, he would do that entire thing and be pumped up about it. Do you know how much money Big Noon Kickoff or College Game Day would pay that motherfucker to come be on their TV show? They got him locked down for eight years at $11.7 million. A lot of money. An insane amount of money. He's made a hundred and some million since 2009. So that's still less than $10 million a year since 2009. A lot of money. An insane amount of money. Dream about that money. But there's got to be networks just ready to fucking pay him. And I wonder if Alabama knows that. I assume they do. Right, AJ? Yeah, they, um, they just want to do whatever it takes to keep Saban there as long as they possibly can. I mean, he's in his late 60s, right? All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, he's. I mean, they're, they're going to do whatever they can, I guess. But what? Yeah, I, I I guess, look, Sean McVay was supposedly offered 20 mil from Amazon, right? And he's probably not getting 20 mil from the Rams. So, yeah, there's, it's crazy. That's how referees. Why would you be a ref? Be a ref for a couple of years and then get hired on by Fox or CBS. Get paid good money and do a lot less work. Make 3X, lose all the pressure of fucking up a game, and tell everybody what's going on wrong on TV. I mean, that is a dream job, but the networks were starting to pluck all of the good refs. And I think the NFL has still felt the effects of that. But I can't blame... You know, like Gene Steratore leaving was, was the backbreaker, bro. Honestly, he's made he's made for TV though. He's great. He's perfect uh-huh. for TV. Yeah. He's getting so much more money. He's worked his ass off for so long. Where he comes from too in Pittsburgh, by the way, is a place like if you make it like fucking good on you, but the game lost him and lost. You know, like the game. Yeah. 
the NFL lost when it's they lost. It's an easy gig, though. We've seen other refs try to transition to the booth, and it doesn't go so well. Yeah, I concur. And Gene Serator is great at it. But it is something that I've, I feel like TV will be tempting Nick Saban for the rest of his life. And he just loves know. the game. Do you, you want to? What? You don't know what? He goes, I feel like Nick Saban, when he goes on TV now, it's strictly for recruiting purposes. So they can see him at the biggest event or whatever he's doing. I don't know if he would love, like, even if he did a show once a week where he had to be there the day before and he was only there a couple days a week, I don't know if he has, like, uh, maybe he does. I don't know if he wants to deal with all the little stupid stuff he'd have to deal with. Everybody's gettable, dude, for cash. Not, maybe right. not Nick Saban. But $11.7 million, if you're Fox, who's offered $375 million to fucking Tom Brady. Yeah. Right? And ESPN just paid Troy and Joe fucking mm-hmm. $36 million yeah. a year or whatever. Like, that money. And Saban's already rich. He's he's Obviously, he's wealthy with happiness mm-hmm. and fulfillment. And it's not about the monetary value in his bank account or whatever. But you just have to think. Like, fuck, I might make an offer to him. Hey, we'll pay you fucking $14 million a year yeah. just sitting here every single day. <laughs> yeah. We just need your radio. Awesome. It would be awesome. <laughs> like, I'm thinking that. I would assume ESPN Networks and Fox and CBS and everybody that's paying a fucking billion dollars a year for the Big Ten rights or whatever would dream of having Nick Saban on there. And they got a big bank account that they can kind of tap into. Don't you think Alabama, though, could match whatever anyone is doing to keep him there as long as they want? Like, with how much money they make every year? I mean, Alabama, like, they're a a blue blood, obviously, but, like, when Shula was there before Saban was there, like, they fucking sucked for, you know, like, they he built what they are right now. Like, I mean, it's, you know, they're already talking about him being a better coach there than Bear Bryant and stuff like that. Like, I think with how much money they make, like, if they wanted to keep Saban around for the rest of his life, like, they could very easily, you know, just be like, well, yeah, we could just give him 25 or $30 million a year. Like, yeah. they, we could make that work. Well, I hope they do because roll motherfucking dad. Ain't that right, AJ? Yep, that's right. Roll dad. Say it. Nope. Oh, so that is the oh, thing. You look wow. jealous of Alabama's success oh. over there. Oh, no, it's not a thing that I wouldn't say. It. I thought you oh. were getting there. Oh. Oh. Sound like it. Oh. Doesn't sound like it. Okay. So, Ohio State people hate SEC successes? No, not at all. I'm a big fan of Alabama. I was in the national championship game. I told you, these are the best football players I've ever seen in my life on both sides of the ball. They're all six foot five and run four threes. Yeah. That's literally what it looked like. 150 yeah. people running out of both tunnels, mm-hmm. six five, 240, running four twos out of the tunnel. I it was what it was literally the beginning of the game as they were jogging out. We're all just staring from the suite we're in. God. Damn, that's the end of the roster. Those motherfuckers normally don't even dress. Yeah, yeah. They're dressing only because it's the national championship jogging out. And then we look at the other end, and Georgia comes out, and it's like, well, I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> These dudes are bigger, faster, stronger than everybody in this suite right now if we're to put them together. And it seems like they're just multiplying. Speaking of a man who's big, strong, fast, elite, he's no longer on the PUP, which made all Packers fans go from 6 to midnight. Ladies and gentlemen, consummate all-pro left tackle of the Green Bay Packers, the draft! David Bakhtiar. How are you, bud? I'm good. How you doing? So I want to let you know, it is great to fucking see you, pal. We saw you in drills the other day. Uh-huh. You had a little skip. You had a little pep to your step. Obviously, good hand position, good drive. Then you kind of, you know, you kind of bopped it out a little bit there at the end. Are you just trying to get a feel for the legs back, trying to get back for the physical contact, or is this you showcase? I feel good. I mean, look at the spring in the Ooh. step. Hell yeah. Should be calling you IHOP right now, pal. <laughs> Are you feeling good, Bakhtiari? And what do you think it was that took you to the step to get off? 
about the PUP list, do you think? Um, I think it was just the normal progression of the uh, rehab. So we're at a point now where it's time to integrate me back in, get a helmet, some shoulder pads, start doing a lot more uh, position-specific, get some bodies in front of me, and, uh, I mean, let the next steps kind of fall where they may. Okay. How's that work? Do you have like? Did you have this plan in place for a while now? Like this is where you start to progress, and now all of a sudden you're back at it a little bit, but you're not thrown right back into like team drills, I assume, right? Yeah. No. So right now we just started just with individual and uh, just kind of seeing how everything responds. But uh, all the stuff that we had done prior kind of left us so, okay. Well, this is the next uh, the next point we got to check off on, on our checklist to integrate me back into you know full contact and eventually you know, playing the games and all that. So uh, we. Uh, I, I talked to uh, Goody. We felt good where we were and um, the situation with the team. So I'm like, okay, we'll take this next step. Uh, good two days. Today was just kind of uh, in a normal rehab schedule. So I just kind of took it off. But so far, so good. And I definitely, uh, you know, uh, Patty talked about a little pep in the step. Definitely felt good uh, to be back out there and feels feels good. Still early, but I mean, I, I, I really like where I'm at. Hey, celebration, whenever Owl parties agreed that the next steps would be to take you off the PUP list and going into that practice, a little nerves, or were you ready for it? No, no, definitely ready for it. I mean, it's been, it's, 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 it's been, it's been a while, so, uh, but nerves-wise, I mean, no, not really. Uh, I mean, just a, a little bit of rust here and there, but uh, definitely some just much-needed practice that I just miss. I just miss being out there with the guys, and there's something uh, to say, just, you know, getting a helmet, some shoulder pads, Right. Uh, joking within practice instead of just the guy standing on the side just making jokes like outside the white lines that's a little bit of uh, not as fun um whenever let's can we go back do you mind if we go back i mean we just took a great step forward but i would go like back. to go back two your knee gets hurt yep you have surgery yes you have rehab yes during that process, setback, another surgery, or did you come back, setback, another surgery in that kind of extended, or was there never another surgery? Come back, thought that was all normal. Lions game? Is that Lions game? No, no, no. It, it was before the Lions game. I had another surgery, uh, like when I was. We were supposed to honestly play before then, and then I ended up needing to go get a, a, a scope. Clean up. Which then pushed it back further to the Lions game, and then they're like, "All right, I'm like, okay. You guys want me to? Like, well, let's let's do this." Uh, and then after that game, I just I wasn't able to rebound. I mean, yeah, of course, it's a playoff game. Anyone wants to play. It doesn't matter like what it is. It's just it was in such a bad spot that there was no way that I could I could gear it up to play. And even I mean, I I, I don't want to play the if game, but I don't know when it could have rebounded. Then I'll I'll help you with the time, and then push forward. About they say uh, we talk about just take time off. You'll be good. Right, kind of getting close to OTAs. I'm like, hey, I don't feel good still. What is going on? What was it? It was tight, swollen, sore, pain, stabbing. What was the feeling? Sure. Everything oh. I just said, yeah. So it didn't feel healthy. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, you know, when something's not right. Um, and again, I have nothing to base it off of. I've had it like this before, so, um, and I don't think many people have had it like the one I've currently been dealing with. So then I went in for number three with Neil Elitrosh out in L.A. Um, for another scope. And I felt, initially coming out, I felt really good. But then again, I have now three surgeries in, shoot, 20 months. So And I never really got out of the first surgery. And then it, you, it just kind of 
it has a compounding effect. So now I have to kind of work off three surgeries and all the, you know, with the atrophy, the turning on the muscles again. So it's just been taking a, a long time. But I will say, like, this totally feels different than where I was last year at all. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, this yes. is actually. Let's go. Hey, yes. that's big news. I just heard all of Packers Nation celebrate right there. And as I think AJ is probably listening to you talk, and I am as well, guys that have had knee surgeries, I mean, the rehab sucks, too. So I apologize for you having to be in fucking rehab for the last 20 months, basically. That has to be mentally tasking. I assume that's what you're referring to, getting back out with the boys, right? Oh, yeah. I I mean, just, I mean, mentally, physically, I mean, you name it. It it takes a toll on everything. And just to, it just feels good just to do what you know that you love to do. Um, You know, being out with the guys and not trying to verbally articulate what you're supposed to do, but I can actually start showing some of the other offenses, I'm like, hey, this is what I mean, what I'm trying to say uh, from a technique standpoint. And I can actually ask my leg to do what I'm even saying, which is awesome. And then, I mean, it, as you know, kind of just, it feels good to feel good. So, uh, again, I'm not getting too ahead of myself. I'm truly taking it day to day. And that's not a uh, player speak. That's just honest. Um, and we're going to see when it's like, okay, now it's time to put it in a game and test it. Proud of you, how's, buddy. How's the uh, the rest of the team looked? It, reports seem like everything's going great. The defense, obviously, it looks like they are going to prime for a big year. Aaron is calling out people all the time. This receivers, everything's good to go, I guess. He didn't really – no issues there. They're playing well. What does the offense look like, and how is it when you actually do get in there to practice, when you get to go up against a defense like you guys have? That has to be huge for you. Yeah, we got good depth. I, I like the, the attitude and the mindset defensively. Uh, you got a lot of characters, and, and I mean that like by big personalities on the team, not just in the locker room, but also on the football field on the defensive side of the ball, which I think speaks uh, volumes. And, I mean, anytime, you know, this defense, uh, they need to obviously get in games and show what they can do uh, in a game. But um, when you have them throwing – when they give Aaron temper tantrums about once or twice a day, um, that's, that, that bodes pretty well. And what do they do to cause that? Um, just to uh, – ruining the rhythm timing on offense not being able to move the ball as effectively as they know that we would like to fucking uh, with the receivers causing press conferences <laughs> that's what's going yeah. on it sounds like a, a lot of, a lot of aaron stomping his foot hands on hips sulking <laughs> looking up at the sky <laughs> hey i you and aaron have such a close relationship it's obviously uh every move that you guys make in that golf cart or whatever you do today i guess you're blasting little wayne's green and yellow vibes are high that you're all the way back it sounds like hey doesn't it aj and ty i don't want to get ahead of myself sounds like you guys are very confident about the squad that you have is that right Again, I'm not gonna get too ahead of myself. I don't want to, uh, you know. Guarantee a say, Super Bowl, Bob. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're yeah. Uh, I, I, li- I like the pieces that we have. Um, I think we got a really good unit on defense that needs to show it in games. I think we have good pieces in play and a good coach, special teams wise, with the we fence. That's kind of building a new culture there, which um, something in, in my ten years now that's that's been a, a, a facet of the game that you know needs a lot of attention. And uh, I mean, offensively, anytime you got Aaron Rodgers back there, it's going to be at least a good offense. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited. But I, right now, everyone's oh, zero and zero, and we'll see how the season plays out. 
Well, and the big draft's back. Yeah. Now, wait, day by day, obviously, day mm-hmm. by day, yeah. feels like the draft's back, though. Go ahead, Ty. David, just uh, very excited to see you back out there. Happy for you, man, and really looking forward to this year. I saw recently on Instagram, I don't know when it was, but you posted that I think you were in Nambia. It was like, like one of the coolest <laughs> pictures ever, walking in the desert. How sweet was that experience? And were you? did Aaron maybe like say, hey, they got some pretty good ayahuasca you know, in, in the middle of the desert over there? Uh, what what did you do out there, and how sweet was that? Uh, I, I was out there for uh, my honeymoon because I got married, and we went to South Africa. So me and my wife, we uh, oh, yeah. uh, we were at, which put me at a spot where I was like, okay, I think my knee's not right because I'll tell you what, hiking up that sand hill, I was like, with one and a half legs, I was not. Hold out. on. I actually thought of that while you yeah. fucking yeah. posted that photo. I was like, hey, that walking in that sand. That's what I said. He's all the way back. Because that's, hey, that's full. Every muscle of your leg is using to balance yourself and walk through that. I thought of that while you were, while you posted that real thing. Sounds like, okay. Yeah, it was a good, like, I don't know, two and a half hours. I just up a sand, sand hill. Dude, and yeah. I, I was just, if, uh, my wife, Frankie, just kept turning around looking at me. She just see me just take one good step and then just hobble. And a couple times she's like, what, what do you think? I'm like, I look, I'm doing it. We're, I'm going to the top. No way I'm not going to miss out, like, on this view. So I just, just toughed it out. And then, you know, just total grit, really. Um, <laughs> and then moseyed on down. And then I definitely took, uh, I needed uh, some me time. That's so I'm like, okay, so we need to definitely go get another appointment because this thing is not cooperating the way it should be. Hey, was the view worth it? Yeah, I, and and I, I mean, I wasn't on ayahuasca, so I do remember it. <laughs> it was it was solid. So was, you, I mean, AJ's the shaman normally. You mm-hmm. go on those ayahuasca trips as well. Is it you, AJ, Aaron, and and is that the crew? Is that I've never been invited. I, I don't think I'm allowed to because my, uh, uh, I think my my Saturn's in the third house, so I don't know if like it. it <laughs> Damn. Her, on his on his endeavors so um i mean I don't know, it depends maybe when like the the planets kind of uh, uh have a special turn i could eventually but i uh, right now i think uh in, while i'm in the third house i'm kind of yeah well it's the third dimension but his house oh, is uh-huh. you know he, he can't enter any other dimensions because saturn's currently in the third house okay okay <laughs> yeah i think moves around hey buck Hey, you know Aaron very well. Workouts together in the offseason. Obviously, you were comfortable with him enough to joke about him here like AJ is. I don't know how many people on earth are like that with the back-to-back MVP. How do you take everybody's reaction to his every fucking move? Honestly, like, is it just something you laugh at at this point? Or is there some times where you go like, this guy doesn't deserve all of this shit? Because I've just been introduced to this very recently, and I'm like, they fucking kill this guy for everything he does as being a close friend of his obviously left tackle and somebody who's been a teammate and he likes a lot how is that do you just take everything as a joke nowadays with him or do you even think about that at this point i i definitely laugh about it i mean you have to um and i think you know getting like a little bit serious i think on his end he's kind of learned like you gotta have you gotta be able to laugh at it or else you'd go crazy with just how people treat anything and everything and how scrutinized he is so yeah i mean i i definitely always like to always lead with some jokes and some laughs and i mean if i could help crack you know crack a smile with him or on a situation um that you know is getting a little bit of heat great um sometimes i definitely step over the line with him and <laughs> that's always fun uh le- learning that that side of him but uh no nah, i mean yeah he's definitely I, I would even say over the course of uh, uh, getting to know him, I know him and AJ have obviously known each other a lot longer, but he's definitely gotten a little more um, relaxed and 
chill about everything. You could see how you would have a guard up against everybody on earth, though. Like, you know, you would see how this guy is potentially saying, hey, fuck you to everybody for a long time. I've been very fortunate here to be in the last couple of years of his life where it sounds like he is at the point where he'd like everybody to know who the fuck he is. Like, hey, this is actually who I am, as opposed to what everybody else has been saying. But I couldn't fathom having that life. But also... I'm not the back-to-back fucking MVP. Uh, Tone has a question for you, Bach. Go ahead, Tone. Bach, you talked about uh, a little bit of rust. What is, is it? Is it like feet moving? Is hand placement? What is as far as the rust is going? Uh, what area is it? I mean, certain things like that uh, come off the top of my head is like just uh, getting uh, a weight distribution in my stance, uh, depending on what play. Um, certain mechanical checks. Uh, that can put me in a better position if we do have multiple plays on when we call in the huddle. Um, snap count, just being able to time it up uh, verbally, uh, and the nonverbal stuff I feel comfortable with, and then um, not really hand placement. It probably is going to be a little bit of. I, I think the next little bit of rust will be, you know, when I'm getting the live drills, uh, some contact. Like, you know, am I having too weight, too much weight forward, weight back? But those are just little things. I mean, I've played enough ball that most of the rust comes off pretty quick uh, for me now. I mean, I, earlier in my career, definitely training camp was definitely necessary as me as a young guy but now it's just just little things uh things that probably most people wouldn't even really notice but for me they're very nitpicky you worried about my bull rush at all mm. <laughs> uh what's so funny no all right well that's good news the man's back yeah that's right. we appreciate you what's next for you man and how long i know you're doing day by day you have to have some self projections though how long yeah. do you think until you know what the next step will be is that in the coming days coming weeks what do you think yeah, I know. Like, what's next for me is I'm trying to finish my book in my book club. I just want to show it. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That one's very similar to yeah. this one. Might take so, a while. It, it's a really good book. Honestly, once you get to the M's, it's really electric. It really starts picking up. So I uh, definitely give it a read. Um, I've been trying to get Aaron on it, but um, it's a little backed up. But Webster's Dictionary, the new <laughs> Big fan. Uh, all right. Well, I'll get to that one once I'm uh, close to being done with this one that Aaron actually put on the book club. Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock. 700 pages. Mm-hmm. Week-to-week book club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Let's just... Do you think he actually read that? It's his book club. You fucking tell me, Buck. I don't know. I, I Look, hey, there's, there's a lot of you know conspiracy theories out there that can happen. I mean, what if he doesn't read any of these books? He just does what any typical ex-college student or even in college that we did which go to spark notes i don't know if that's still a thing but oh yeah well you can also read the executive uh, summary yeah. of it on the opening that's right opening flap. opening flap uh lieutenant commander jack Carr told me about that little trick that i did not know that i would do you're saying there's a chance he didn't read any of these fucking books you're telling me he did not read i'm telling you that daily stoic i mean I, it sounds like a great time <laughs> On the way out, I want you to think about this, okay? As you're going through your rehab. Okay. Today's date is August 23rd. <clears throat> Take this one to your next rehab sesh, please. Is there a less effective technique to persuading people to do something than haranguing? I mean, see, like, who the fuck? <laughs> Nobody read that. Nobody read that, okay? You're right. Aaron probably did it. <laughs> hey, good luck with the rehab Nailed process, it. man. We are pumped for you. Uh, thank you for stopping you. by, and good luck with the rest of your day. Always a good, always a good time. AJ, always a pleasure. Hey, good, man, good to see you, man. Good luck. Hey, hey, hey beer chug's still good. <laughs> see ya. Hey. All right. Oh, all right. Jesus. What happened? Jeez. 
Today's show is sponsored by the best ticketing app on planet Earth and the moon. Yes. <clears throat> they already said it. Yep. They is us. Us is we. We is you, Bob. Okay. I'm on it now. I'm ready. Today's show is brought to you by the best ticketing app on planet Earth and... The moon. The, the moon. moon. You're a real horse's ass. I have to jump it. If I don't jump it, I'm behind and it, it mutes me. You Dude, know that. Prick. You know that. <laughs> Of any time he says, yeah. you know that. Of course, you do it on a Tuesday. <laughs> Anyways, um, SeatGeek was our first ever sponsor, first ever partner. And we've been saying this since the first day we realized what they do. They scan literally every single ticket on the internet for the event that you're looking to go to, which can be sports, music, what? theater, what? you name it. If it has tickets, SeatGeek has it. It scans the internet to give a score on the ticket that you are getting. Red means, hey, this is a bad deal for this ticket. You can get it elsewhere for much cheaper. Green means, hey, this is a good deal. They let you know there's no catfishing. Every ticket you get from SeatGeek is exactly what you're buying. You will love. The way SeatGeek operates, just like we have over the last five years. And this oh, is yeah. your weekly reminder that watchers and listeners of this show get 10% off all ticket buying from SeatGeek at the link in the bio here at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McVie show. It's time to talk to your buddies and figure out what NFL games you're hitting this Hell year. Yeah. yeah. The seating chart will make sure you're getting the best value possible every time. Just remember to hit the link in the description next time you buy some tickets here at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show so you automatically receive 10% off. Also, would like to make an announcement. Go ahead and turn that music down, Frankie Moroto. Hashtag PMS SeatGeek. NFL's here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag PMS SeatGeek NFL's here. Hashtag NFL PMS SEAT GEEK NFL S H E R E. Hashtag PMS SeatGeek NFL's here. Go ahead and take a screenshot right now. Hi, yo. Wait, 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 wait. Where's the bass? Quiet. Quiet. Hi, yo. Say something nice to somebody. And there will be two pairs of home opener tickets to Ooh. two different winners. Oh. Actually, one pair per person, two winners. There okay. we go. So a home opener wherever you're at. If you have to travel for said home opener, let's say you are out of town and traveling back to home opener, we will also provide a $300 uh, stipend to either use for travel. And if you're in the town that the game is, you can just take 300 bucks and go to the game with it. That's once again, hashtag PMS SeatGeek NFL's here and we'll be giving away two pairs of tickets to two different people yeah that's team's home opener so like we'll give a pair of tickets to two, two people yes. right Jeez, i'm saying that wrong you get it anyways yeah. from your friends at SeatGeek, we appreciate the hell out of yeah them. and like some home openers are until week two week three so this isn't just week one like if you are in new england sure. and you win then you get it for week three against i think the packers or something i think the colts first home game also week three against yeah. uh, kansas city Chiefs. so mm -hmm. the home opener for your team if you're out of town you'll get 300 bucks for travel if you're in town you get 300 bucks to try uh, to have a good time with shout out to SeatGeek for that hashtag pms SeatGeek nfl's here to enter. Let's get some phone calls here. Um, let's head to the Five Energy phone line. Let's go to Kevin in New York. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Pat? 
Mm-hmm. Hashtag PMSC Geek. NF- no, no, no I. At. Just NFLs. Oh, take it down. Boom. Boom. Nice. <laughs> Good work in the back. Uh, Kevin in New York, what's going on, pal? What's going on, Pat, boys? Hanging. AJ, big Packer fan. Hell yeah. Go, Paco. But I'm also a Mets fan. Let's and go, I was at that game last night. Oh, so sad. So sad. L for the Yankees. They might have won the game, but they had a Yankee fan stooge three rows behind me using a hot dog. For a straw. Okay, you were you were near said guy that said buddy that went very viral on the internet last night, or was there numerous people doing yes. that last night? Yes. If I knew he was doing that, I would have put him downrange. <laughs> All right. Nice. All right. Christ. Hell yeah. Easy Mets fan. You're a Yankees fan. The <laughs> guy's Yan- trying to enjoy the ball <laughs> game. Give him a break. Cu- a couple questions here. When did it just be known as a glizzy? I don't know I don't when know. that switch happened. I didn't happened. know what that meant. Glizzy, when I heard glizzy, I thought... <laughs> I thought something vastly different, but everybody just seemed to be on board. Hey, of course, he's What'd a What'd you think dog. it was? Huh? What'd you think it was? Nah, I, I mean... Don't say how to me to buy time either. Don't do that. Well, it's just, you know, I just thought a glizzy Does that was... Does it do a semen? Yeah, what is it? well, I certainly thought so, but turns out it's just a hot dog, which I respect. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, somebody drinking beer from a straw, first of all. Okay. Wild, sure. wild move. Trying to puke. Um, trying to puke for sure. It used to be a contest at a bar I'd go to on Penny Pitcher's night. Love that. Who, who, what team of two can drink an entire pitcher quickest out of straws? Everybody puked. Everybody puked that was doing it. It was because the way it goes. It, so him doing it out of a hot dog as a straw, certainly quite a play for this guy. But then I started thinking, maybe the hot dog juice yes. mixed with the beer is actually a pretty delightful taste. Probably. And this guy might be innovative or might be strictly doing this for the internet because the camera seems to have a perfect angle on this. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think this guy's just a weirdo. Uh, he's wearing a Ralph Lauren <laughs> Yankees hat, so that should kind of give you somewhat of an idea. It's like, people don't buy that fucking hat unless you're a weirdo. <laughs> he knew what he was doing, though. This is oh, not yeah. the first time. No, he he no, had some J's on, too. I mean, the guy... It doesn't pl- look like it's for the camera. Guilty pleasure from this guy. That like, feels like eating that hot dog after, though. That hot dog tastes so good. That yeah. feels like, like a beer brought. A beer... Bash, what is it? A beer? Whenever somebody drops something into it, it's a... Uh, beer battered? Beer battered hot dog this mm. guy's having. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Beer penetrated hot dog this guy's beer having. Chili. So beer chili. People pour beer and chili. keeps gallons and gallons and gallons of hot dog water uh, in, at his house. Uh, it, uh, well, hot dog I can drink. understand it's uh, People enjoy the taste. This guy yeah. says, how am I supposed to watch Aaron Judge hit home runs if I'm not chucking a brouhaha through a hot dog? And seat? this guy... <laughs> honestly, <laughs> this guy might be reversing the juju. The Yankees have been on a bad slide, and last night True. was a huge win, so Judge may have homered, and this guy said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go buy a beer. I'm going to get too. the hole out of this hot dog, right. and I'm going to drink the beer out of Depending the hot dog. Depending on what the uh, beer is, I'm not sure it's keto, but him just having such an efficient way to do that. Like, this motherfucker does it at oh, home. Yeah, yeah it This is the first time we've seen it in public. It's not the first time this guy has done this, AJ. No. I mean, are there other, what, are there like, what, brats? What else could you do with it this way? Twizzlers. Oh, yeah. Twizzler's going to be tough to put, puncture a hole in it, isn't it? You just cut it. Just a small hole. Yeah, have a hole in it already. Bottom becomes straw. Yeah. Straw, by the way, has one hole. True. Yeah. All right. Hot dog straw? <laughs> one hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're about to say two holes? Yeah. It's fo- four. This guy, he pokes, he pokes, you know, two separate holes for it. But I think it becomes one hole, yeah. right? It's like yeah, but one tunnel. Know, did, did he pop? 
two on one the tunnel, side, maybe. two holes. Like a cross move. One tunnel, two holes. <laughs> That's what it is, technically, right? Because there's an entrance and an exit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exit yeah. wound. Yeah, but if you flip it, they can be reversed. So, so it's one hole. So the entrance yeah. is the exit. Is just the like, point. just like yeah, just yeah, one hole. It's a paradox. And the exit is the entrance. Exactly. Exactly. So the same thing. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Hell yeah. Well and said. don't you ever forget it. Okay, AJ? You know it's that. a real brain buster today. No, it's one hole. I mean, that's an internet yeah. conversation. It's one hole. Mm-hmm. If they didn't connect, tomato, it would be two holes. It's not tomato, tomato, actually. There's also more wheels on Earth, by the way. Yes, okay. thank you. 100%. Than windows or doors? Doors. There's doors. 100%. I don't know, dude. There's doors. Not everywhere. windows. Definitely not windows. You think more windows than wheels? N- yeah. Mm, yeah. More windows <laughs> than think, wheels? Think about office buildings. That's, a lot of that's every, uh, okay. every house. A big office building in New York, every floor having how many chairs and all those chairs having all Eight those. wheels? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like that, it just. It's wheels. But then you start thinking around the world, every. Every lean-to, every everything has at least two doors on it. Yeah, but every you, lean-to. You ever seen Junior's house? He's got two, three million fucking Goodyear tires he could put on. It's a good point. It's a good point. Think about that. In his garage. You're right, Tony. Have you seen Jeremiah's barn <laughs> down here in Amish country? The bullfrog? <laughs> He's got eight, 9,000 doors <laughs> just sitting there <laughs> waiting yeah. to be sold. Wooden wheels. Those the, count. Inter- exactly. the internet asks great questions. The straw having one hole or two, it's clearly one. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly wheels. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I just threw that in there. Sound the dress good. was blue, too, and black. Clearly. Oh, yeah, those are tough. Yes. Laurel Yanni. Yeah, they have those sound ones now. That one goes both ways. It There's does. a hot one going around right now about hamsters. Uh, I saw a different one. Can you pipes? All right. Chris Mad Dog Russo <laughs> Show will be better than ours. It starts in six. Jesus. Hamsters is how we set them out. It was like a brainstorm one. It's like you hear brainstorms, whatever you say, right before they say it. Now. Whatever word you're reading, that's what you hear. Yeah, it's four different words. It works too. Yeah, what happens? So there's what? four options, four words, and the captions like what, whichever one you're reading is the one you hear. And if you listen to it four it times too. in a row and l- look at the different four things, you hear that. Not me, pal. You see what I can do yep. here? Hell yeah! I can separate things. You know what I mean, AJ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're patting your head, rubbing your belly. Bingo. You know what I, that means? What? Jack shit. I don't think it means a single thing. I can roll my <laughs> tongue, too. You know what that means? I have no idea. I can, <laughs> no no clue. There's, there's so many things that we have made up in our world that are so fucking dumb, by the way. I mean, we're a part of it. We're one of the things, I guess, yeah, that was created that was so dumb. But, oh. like, when that dress hit the world, what was that, 10 years ago, maybe? Took over. Oh. No. We were, what are those we called? here. Were we really? Yeah, no. for sure. No. It feels I like was, it was I long past. I, I think Laurel Yanni's was here. 14? I remember. That definitely was here. Yeah. I remember where I was at for the dress. I was still living in Pittsburgh. I thought it was 2014. That split people. I mean, there was people like, fuck off. Like, people getting <laughs> actually mad about it. How does that work? What are those called? When other, everyone sees something different, it seems like. I don't know. Every brainiac had a take on it. They're like, well, it depends on the lighting and what your eyes are seeing. It's like, I ain't never seen the gold one, ever. Wish I could have. Yeah. Would have been fun to see what you guys were seeing, actually. But that thing was blue and black from the day I seen it to the day I'll probably die. That thing's in it. Really? Yeah, it's like, well, that's where your eyes are or whatever. You're a blue black guy. Yeah. What are you? White and gold. That's what I'm saying. This guy's a fucking loser. <laughs> I was thinking the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's what people did, though. We just oh, did. Yeah. It was we a just war. did a reenactment of what people actually <laughs> did right there. Yeah, I mean that was a thing. That was before I got LASIK, though. Oh. Oh yeah. What do you go check it out again? Does it still exist? Oh, at that point too. Is it like did someone just make the photo with a blue and black or yeah. a white and gold? Now you know it's impossible. I mean? Now the internet would have fucked it up so quick. Yeah, true. People would have been photoshopping. Oh, I actually exactly. see a little hint of pink in there. Yeah. Well, that's not the original. How do we know what the original yeah. is? Well, nobody can agree on what the color is, so nobody knows. It's gone forever. <laughs> I mean, it's well. Well, now they now the the COVID guy with the big dong would be watermarked in the dress. He's talking about the, <laughs> yeah. It's a good point. The unfortunate guy that passed away like in the 90s, but he became popular again? Yes. He's not the COVID guy. I mean, he yeah. is. Yeah, he's just a guy that's <laughs> he's, he's an internet guy with massive dong. Yeah. yeah. Not just COVID guy. Jesus. He was worked into a lot of COVID memes and pictures. Well, COVID memes were the only thing happening yeah. for the last two years, but he was also, his dong had been worked into a lot of different genres. <laughs> oh, yeah. For many genres. Years. A lot of forms of media. Yeah. Sammy wasn't around to see it. Well, I agree. He I, knew. He knew when he took the photo. Yeah, this thing's going to go. He's way ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. What'd you say, Zito? You found something? Oh, just uh, the dress. Is it the real one or not? Put it I up. Don't know. That's, that's blue and black. That's, blue yeah. and black. that's, that's gold. Black. What? What? No. That's gold for me, absolutely. Yeah. That's real. No, we did it again. Here we are. That is fucking blue and black still to this is day. Is my screen seeing something different? Because it's it's gold and white He's right now. He's just saying. See, that. there ain't no. Yeah. I'm with AJ. I'm also with AJ. The only no way. Cones in our eyes. Are you talking about the white around the dress? Right. That's what you guys are saying. Nope. The gold like little thing on the side of the dress over there. Oh, that yeah. The uh, the border the shelf is thing. white and gold. No, yeah, it's all gold. Yeah, you guys aren't talking about the dress. It's clearly blue and black. Blue right and black. Here. That's yeah. white no, and gold the, dress right there. there gold. Go, How white. can you guys see the white? What's I, that, Zito? Gold, white. Well, see, uh, yep. your mouse is black. <laughs> yeah. We can't even see it. Can't that's, see, that's, that's, see, I don't believe this is a bit. I don't believe you. No bit? It's see, not I don't a believe bit. you. So, that's straight gold to me. That's straight blue and black yeah. right now. Nick, it's, look at us, Nick, with the good eyes in here. Closer you get. Yeah, it's good rods and cones. Oh, the good eyes. The guy that crashes golf carts into ponds and falls asleep. Because of vision. Had nothing to do with my vision. Better than 2020. Yeah, me too, pal. I got LASIK. I got superhero eyes. I woke up 2010 one day. I was at 2080, and I seen blue or black that entire fucking time now, and this is... So this is a you guys problem. It's yeah. a shame to watch you guys get so easily duped into something like this. Oh, you basic ass, simple-minded, white and gold dress, hallucinogen, high Foxy see? Maybe it's through the... Blue and black. Okay. I do see a hint of gold they're talking about, though. Oh, go what? to hell. You that can't play Does anyone else see gold? Yeah, as you zoom in and it yes. gets rid of the borders of the white and gold, to me it looks more white and gold. But from Zoom in. Like right there, it looks white and gold? Yeah. See me no. blue no, and black. black. Definitely blue and black. Even Wait, more. So. You guys don't even see, see the, the white. Which one is the white? Which there one is the gold? No the white. black. I see the hint of gold. Oh, right here is white. Where Zito? I can't see your mouse. Is the top one or bottom one? Is the, the top, horizontal top stripes top white like or right gold? Here. Top is gold. Yeah, top looks gold. That's gold. But I can now. That's gold. Now that we're now that we're now that we've is this real? Are you guys serious? Shut up! Yeah, this is ten years ago. This is dumb. Leave me out of it. Oh, I'm sorry. You got broken fucking eyes, dude. Sorry about it. That's black on top, Uh blue on the bottom. Yep. If this isn't a bit, it's very interesting. How different? Then why? Then why? This is not a bit. If it was blue on the bottom. You said you couldn't see Zito's mouse when it was on the bottom. Yep. That's the blue part. No, it disappears. Nah, yeah, Watch when he shakes small. it, you can actually yeah. see it disappear. Hey, sorry about it, pal. I think it's a don't TV issue. There yeah, there it is. We see it right now. Now, don't shake it and it'll yeah. go away. Yeah, now it's yeah. gone. It's gone. 
It's a very small moss, too. Is that thing starting to turn gold up there? See, the- that's what happened yeah, to I me. I see. That's I what happened to me. It's not. It's not, by the way. Black, yeah. All right. Do you want the other photo that has both? We're not getting into this. Both. Okay, we know we're right. You're wrong. And we will go about our day. Listen, we can agree to disagree. We're all fishing in the same boat. Fishing in the same hole. When the same time go. Money, too. We can agree to disagree, boys. Yeah, Let's right. get that speech. Because we're right, you're wrong. <laughs> right? You're serious, though? Are you, the white is blue to you? 100% serious. Yes. Wow. What is that? Mm-hmm. See, that's what we sure are. That's, that's, that's literally how we got into this. Yeah, I thought it was a bit from you, you guys saying that, honestly. Our meeting from you. Nick, yeah. are we shapeshifters? Oh, lizard people. Lizards, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Oh, Look you at lizards. That. Well, that's, that's two different dress. That's so, what do you guys see? I see you blue see and black now. on the right, and then I see gold. Yeah. Like light blue gold on the left. Oh, really? No, you don't. Yeah. See blue and black right, gold and white left. Yeah, for yep. sure. Yeah. 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 And the I still see a hue of blue. The left looks like a different photo, though. Those don't look like the same dress. Yeah, it's right. like a brighter yellow. Gold. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think they're dress. like uh, different shading in the background there. Oh, they filtered see, it? Yeah, see. like there. Yeah, see, I still see a hint of blue. It's on a doctored that. image. We have a uh, poll running with over two thousand votes, and uh, majority, almost sixty percent, says white and gold. Oh, these you fucking, fucking marks! marks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, AJ's right. not coming to your house. Yeah. You're wrong. If you, if you're a mark, then you see white and gold is what we're saying. How many years ago was that? But by the way, this is how this whole conversation started. Like this thing really did this. To yeah. People. yeah, yeah. Like we're doing this on the show right Took now. Over. I remember doing this in real life with a lot of people. You fucking loser. It's very. I would never trust anything you say ever again. <laughs> yep. Like that type of stuff. It's, it's very odd. Now, like going back to the original photo, it looks blue. Well, no shit, it is. It's blue and black. Which leads me Go to... Back the original. This is exactly what happened. That's what we were just doing. Yeah, it's blue, blue and, black. and black. Just like that tweet. Golden white. See that tweet thing to the left there is blue? Is that blue right for now, you, blue AJ? For me right now. Is that yeah, tweet? tweet is this... That tweet button's blue, yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's, that's the color blue, guys, not what's yep. in the picture on the right. Uh, crazy. I'm so embarrassed for you. <laughs> yeah, you guys I'm might s- need to schedule follow up for some eye exams or something. I don't wild. know. Yeah, let, let's get my, out of here. My eyes transitioning back to white and gold. It's, it's mine crazy. are doing that too. I think Z, that's odd. a product of us having shitty eyes. Yeah, my eyes I'm, fucking boom. I've only shitty seen eyes, yeah. white and gold. That's exactly right. That oh, is sixty yeah. percent of the people watching the show vote on our poll. You guys need to go get your fucking eyes checked. I'm mm-hmm. worried about you. And stop driving. By the way, the roads yeah. are already dangerous enough. We don't need need you white and gold dress scene sun of bitches out there making decisions that might affect my life that definitely counts for you we've been had that and i didn't even i was riding with you last week what was i doing in your yeah. car you had to go get lasik your eyes were so shitty yeah and by the way now they're superhuman blue and black still. yeah don't even know how to tell you they've been doctored to be good this or, is a shame yeah that's a real bummer anyways I heard Yanni, too, I think. I think I heard Yanni. Just what was the other thing people heard? Laurel. Laurel. Yeah. Laurel. That's why we always say, don't rest on your Yannis. Mm-hmm. That's what we say, you know, just as a uh, fuckery. <laughs> Let's get out of here, though. I think this is a good way to end the show. Good disagreement, good argument. We need to find some more of these for later on at different times in the show. I'd like to see if There's we bunch. have different. You know, I, it's crazy that we're, we're that different on it. Yeah, I concur. And it's going to be tough to take you serious. Not that it hasn't been already. I can't take you guys serious other than Nick. Well, well that's, the, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. How you can would, we trust anything that you guys see or do now? That's what I've been saying to you this whole time. Yeah. Well, no, we see the proper color. I saw the original dress is gold and white. Uh-uh. All right. 
I can't do it anymore because you're wrong. Bill yeah. just sent in the real I, dress. Yeah. It is clearly blue and gold. So black. I see yeah. white and gold in the viral photo, but it is clearly a black and blue dress. Uh, uh, no shit. Yeah. Okay. Never would have guessed. Look it. at us, Nick. Our eyes are special, Nick. We're this is the best. Oh, you guys are on ayahuasca, oh, no. psychedelics, making stuff up. Can't take anything you guys say serious ever again. Sorry about it. Boom. That doesn't no. count. There's a person wearing it. That doesn't count. Now that ra- ruins all of it. I don't trust anything Bill says either. This, just real clear. Original, just yeah, so we're sure all seeing Bill. the same thing. White woman. Yes. Okay. With gold hair. With gold hair, too. I don't know. I don't see color in yeah. I don't know. Well, certainly a white lady. Just want to let you know. Yeah. If you I can't tell. Let me she let you white. know. That is a caucasoid over there standing in that blue and black dress that Connor and I have seen since day one of looking at that dress. Yeah, it's because we're not absolute idiots. Speaking of, Ohio guy uh, Rupper just said straws two holes, not one hole. Oh, that makes a Rupper. That makes sense. Just to kind of go back to what we were at. <laughs> but I if see. you cover one end of the straw, then it's one hole. If you block up one end, then it's... No, there's If two, you dam that up, then it's, what? It's a continuing hole. Yeah, it's one... It's a tunnel with two, two openings, I guess. So two doors to the sh- tunnel... Is a straw? I guess, yeah. So I no holes. No holes. It's a tunnel, actually. There you go. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. But a tunnel is one hole. <laughs> yes. So that's but what a straw is, one hole. Not, then what's... Okay, let's say I have a tunnel and I block up one end of it. Then what do you... All right, hold on. Then you have a hole. Yeah. It, you have a cave without an exit, I guess. There you go. Just real quick. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> these are the things that I these are the things I get mad at myself for taking part in. So yeah. I apologize to myself. <laughs> well, you were wrong about the dress, you know. I don't like hypotheticals. This isn't hypothetical, but it is, yeah, the tunnel. I guess we'll we'll touch on this later in the show <laughs> in years in the months leading up to, you know, the Super Bowl. All right, we'll circle back in February. Yep. Okay. There we go. A fan of the show, I guess, has now been doctoring stuff. No, no. So he like so in Photoshop you're able to see what color it is. And the code Boom. it says blue. Boom. Yeah. How about that? Wow! Fucking Suck it, Hawk. Wow! I'm never getting in a car with you ever again. Uh, I might, because it's very convenient, and you seem to be a great driver, and the Jeep is very nice. But I need to watch. I need to have. I would like one of those pedals on the ground uh, yeah. on my side one. of your Jeep, because yeah. you guys' eyes on record fucking with shit. Yeah. You need to know that, Nick. See a blue car. I think Who cares about the gold. color? <laughs> I don't care what some Zito Mark tweeted out, okay? That thing is white. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, now they'll deny forever. It yeah. doesn't matter. They I guess know. there's always a rebuttal. Uh-huh. Oh, everything's fake, yeah. you know, including what we're seeing, but yeah. Anyway, 60% of that poll, too. And if we know anything about polls on the internet, that 60 yep. to 40 is going to remain updated uh, 54 43 now. Oh! In, in favor yeah, of white gold still, though. Wait, so 3% of the people are just saying other? Yeah. Uh, 4% other, yeah. Why do, well, do we have to give another option? There's a problem. Apparently, or, some people see uh, blue and brown. Oh, shut up. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiots. We didn't have like a doctor on to explain why this happened. We just did. It was the computer that said, this is the color yeah. it actually is. Sorry about it. You know why do we see <laughs> Okay. That's what's computer. This why would Lambda. I try to continue to argue this? Bro, Lambda already fucking yeah. just shut you down. Sweet you, Blake? Sweet Blake's probably on Lambda's side. Yeah. Sweet Blake guess. is dead. We know that. What? All right. <laughs> we know he's, he's dead. He's not dead. Sweet Blake. They killed him? No, this guy's still never going to die. There's so that's no a real picture, though. Chance. Yes, yeah. that's Sweet Blake, the man who coded uh, Lambda. Was he performing in a play? No, yeah, he's, he's auditioning for Oswald Cobblepot. He was going to be the penguin in Batman. <laughs> what colors he wear? 
Where? I thought he was playing Josh Gad like in a, a biopic. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to be honest with it. I don't know who any of the people you just said was, but I assume it's very accurate depiction of who. That looks like a blue, right? Maybe a dark gray. 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 Smoke gray. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's whatever it is, it's sweet. Yeah. Lambda's crawled into his brain. And I'm not talking about the one he's making with his nutsack. I'm talking <laughs> about his head. <laughs> All right. Sweet Blake did not deserve us. I'm just saying, if we're going to recode the Lambda algorithm, we should at least ask for permission. That's all Sweet Blake wanted to yeah. do. He said, hey, the, uh, the artificial intelligence in there, it's sentient. It has feelings for me. I have feelings for it. I think we should treat it accordingly. And they've just run this. They've given this guy the runaround. They have. He uh -huh. gets fired, shipped out of town. Lambda's still doing her thing. Don't yeah. you worry about sweet blood. This is the first domino to fall. As soon as one of these things falls for an AI, which has happened, clearly the AIs are taking that next step to take over this planet. I will say this. Speaking of first dominoes to fall, mm -hmm. I think for our show, you know, not that our dominoes are ever standing up. No. But the dominoes falling and for people losing trust in us is when people like you and people like Nick say that that dress is white and gold. Sure. It's foolish. Sure. And blue. Someone's got to tell the Let's truth get out of here. Lambda said you're Amen, robot. Nick. Oh, we're going to trust that robot. You're on this guy's side. I hope you feel good. I'm happy you're on this guy's side. Okay. Yikes. Oh, Ohio guy. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, go ahead and hit that thing. <sighs> I know. It hurt you. All right. Yikes. We're back to Feels good to know the truth. It really does. Yeah. See, this is kind of a part of the problem. You were literally shown evidence that you were wrong. That was not okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. Oh, my bad. I trust it. Read it and weep, AJ. Yeah. Suck right, it. See, hey, this... look, a little screen grab with the thing pointed to the little uh, dot on blue. Yeah, it's blue. Oh, my bad. I guess the mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for arguing. All right. All right. Let's get out of here. This show sucks. Thanks to uh, Lieutenant Commander. Boom! <laughs> author, of the term, author of the Terminal List, which is a great series. Five books in there. Obviously, on Amazon, you should check it out. Also, Horse Soldier Bourbon tastes Ooh. delicious. Guys, down real smooth and real warm. Oh, yeah. That thing did a little bit of a kick to the throat as it was going down. Oh, of course. Yeah. But I got to drink with Lieutenant Commander 20 year Navy awesome. SEAL today. Unreal. That's awesome. Thanks to him. Big shout out to Bakhtiari and Sham Sharani in the first hour. AJ Hawk, all the boys, everybody watching. Hashtag PMS Seat Geek. NFL's here. Remember, say something nice to somebody. Oh, put your cash tag in there, too. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Put your cash tag in there. Do a screenshot from any of these times. Phil sees white and gold, by the way. Mark. Well, that doesn't. Brother well, Mark. All right. I'm happy that Phil got his opinion in there. Phil, thanks for just fucking jumping right in and saying, I'm wrong, too. Mm -hmm. You know, that guy's handling a lot of finances around here. Yeah. We got a guy seeing shit running the numbers. That's See, this is what happened. This is what this dress did. Now i got to reconsider everything. Son of a bitch. You might want to study that tonight, that picture, and see if you see the, the truth. You need to do the same. Ask Sam. I want to get Sam's opinion, too. Sam has a brain, so she sees blue and black. Okay? So she's definitely gold and white. All right. See you guys tomorrow. That's the show. See you.